0: Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
1: Welcome back to the helium boys podcast, a serious non-serious USC podcast. I am your co-host, a fraction of this podcast, Chris Trevino. And as always, I'm joined by my fellow helium boy, Shotgun Spratling. Shotgun, I was very sad out there in Boulder, Colorado that you were not out there with me, but I took a little bit of uh, peace knowing that every Monday I'm guaranteed to see your face on my computer screen. So I, I take solace knowing that I do get a little piece of shotgun every week, but I did miss you out in Colorado.
2: You're, you're out of control, Chris. I am disappointed I didn't get to see that atmosphere it looked electric. I was a little bit surprised, to be honest. I didn't think, you know, that early that it would be rocking consistently. And, uh, you know, give, give a lot of credit to the Colorado fans for sticking it out because, uh, you know, they could have left early and didn't. And it seemed like later in the game, they really made an impact. So, uh, disappointed I missed out on the atmosphere and Boulder and seeing Ralphie run. But, I was able to get a lot of work done and my participation charts done early this week. So, uh, you know, I try to take a, you know, make the most out of uh, a little bit of disappointment.
1: Shotgun, You're only getting a quick break from talking because I'm throwing it at you first for two minute drill, because obviously I am this week's host. So I get to throw it to you shotgun. Are you ready for your two minute drill? Sure. Chris, let's go. Okay. You're starting in three, two, one.
2: So we got to talk about USC surviving at Colorado. Deion Sanders says after the game, you know, we knew if we get the ball back, then we would score. And if, you know, if you're a USC fan, you felt the same way because it felt very reminiscent of Utah. It felt very, very reminiscent of Tulane where you have a lead and you're just letting things go and go, and you can't get the stops that you need to. Now, the defense did get a couple of stops along the way. The defense was actually good. To really good early, and then it all kind of fell apart. Now I don't know if that's fatigue. I don't know if that's altitude. I think there's adjustments that if USC was making this trip to Boulder again in two years because they're in the same conference, I think there would be adjustments. They wouldn't go in on a Friday. You go in on a Thursday. Try to get the you wouldn't take that early morning kick if you didn't have to. I think there was adjustments and and things that had an impact. But still, it would just look so much like last year, you know, Caleb Williams doing Caleb Williams things, and then you start, you know, if you're a USC fan, you start going, oh, no, it, it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough because this defense is not going to enough stops. They were able to get off the field a couple of times in the second half, and that proved to be the difference. You know, the big sack that Dejan Bitten and Solomon Bird had combined on the fourth down. Otherwise, who knows? Colorado may have stormed all the way back and, you know, USC's offense wasn't necessarily clicking at the end. So that was a bit of concerning too. So definitely a lot of concerning things to take out of this. Now Lincoln Riley says, Hey, it's a road win. We're happy. We get a road win. We celebrate all those, those wins, but there's so much that needs to be cleaned up. And it starts with the tackling 18 missed tackles by PFF's initial grading starts with that. You got to tackle better. So you don't give up some of those explosive plays. But overall, it was a disappointing game again, two weeks in a row. It, it's it's satisfying that you get the win, but very unsatisfying the way that they won. And we'll see how USC responds. I think they'll play better at home, but they're going to have to go on the road to Eugene. So it's got to be cleaned up
1: quick. Oh, shotgun. You were very close there. You were very close. I'm giving you a little bit of leeway because I did have that second already on the clock when the time I turned it around. So I'm going to give it to you that you just got in under the two minutes.
2: Hey, Chris, I just got to find my receiver in the back of the end zone as the clock expires. That's what matters. Let me, baby. I'm open. (laughs) All right, Chris, are you ready for your two minutes? Tell me what it was like. I want to know about the atmosphere. I don't know if that's what you're going to touch on, but, you know, the atmosphere looked like it was rocking on on screen. So tell me about the atmosphere and, you know, what was the feeling on the sideline down there? Very packed sideline, both with celebrities and everything else before the game. But, uh, you know, a lot of photographers, it's a difficult place to kind of get around as a, as a photographer and an on-field uh, media member. But what was the atmosphere like being down there when you're right on top of the field, on the players and whatnot? And, you know, what were your impressions of how this game played out for USC? Your two-minute starts now.
1: I'm going to oblige you, Shotgun, and talk about the atmosphere, cut into my two-minute drill. But, yes, it felt like a music festival down on the sidelines. It was so packed. It was so crowded you had to go through the sideline and the actual stands to get across the sidelines. I don't know if you're not familiar with that for anyone listening, but yes, media on the field have to go through the, the stands, a lot of drunk people, a lot of shoving to get in the way. So it just felt very music festivaly. And there's a lot of celebrities <laughs> down there too. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, the baby was there looking like Doug Dimodome with that giant 10 gallon hat on his head. So it was very chaotic. Shout out to the Colorado student section. Because, yes, they packed it out there. The Colorado fans came out in full force. It was a rocking environment for 9 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Uh, mountain time. So, yeah, it was a very lively event. College football was very much alive in Boulder. And it was a very fun atmosphere, aside from having to, you know, bump some people on the sideline to get access to this. You said pretty much everything that was needed to be said about this game. And it felt very much unsatisfying and it didn't feel like USC won this game. It felt like more like they avoided a loss. That's how, how it kind of felt. You, you were kind of just left looking at this like, wow, USC escaped Boulder with the win and it, it, it like I said, we've seen so much of this happen over the course of the last or last several games in terms of with the with the defense being how it collapsed down there at the stretch for 2022 and you're seeing some of those things come up again the last two weeks and it's very concerning if you're a usc fan and very concerning knowing that you're going against this very very tough stretch after arizona and don't let's not discredit arizona i think they're going to play them tough at home i think they'll they'll welcome going back to the coliseum but yes the alarm bells are going off for usc fans knowing that they have the most brutal stretch of the season coming up if they're hoping to win a national championship oh chris you went over uh, that that wasn't my best two minute drill. I, I I acknowledge that. You you threw me off by having me talk about the atmosphere. You used you, you uh sabotaged me from the beginning. So but but it's fine. I it wasn't my best effort. It wasn't USC's best defensive effort and best team <laughs> effort. So I th- I feel like we're, we're we're matched. I'm so linked to them leaving from Colorado. We're we're linked right now. So we have to we have to get off the same page.
2: You guys got out of there quick, and that's you know that's what the team normally does. So uh, you know, let's start there first before we jump into breaking this down. Stock upside down. I want to know about this rickshaw that you guys had to take to get out of the stadium, get to the car, so you can get to the airport on time.
1: I, as the host of this show, you're you're taking over hosting duties right now. You're eating a freaking banana. I'm excited. Right now. No. though. No, there, no, there's no.
2: stories that have to be no, told. No, no, I'm not,
1: I'm not, I'm not letting you push me around. We're saving the rickshaw story for take it or leave it okay. at the end. I already have that down. Don't don't act like I this is my first rodeo. Don't <laughs> don't treat me like a a child here. I, I know what I'm doing. So no, we're not gonna talk about the rickshaw. We're gonna save that to the end. And you're gonna start with a stock up.
2: I mean, stock up, you got to start with with uh, Caleb Williams, I think. So I'm going to go with Heisman Reunion because he might have two trophies that are meeting up uh, by the end of the season if he continues to play like he is. Even though he did have his first interception, still throw for over 400 yards. First real competitive game where he needed to be good. Um, and well, granted, he blew them out early, and then the, the defense lets him back in. They weren't great in the second half. So there's still definitely things that he can improve on, the offense can improve on. But – He was spectacular again. Uh, He continues to be elite. Um, Him and Lincoln Riley have a great mesh together of the play calling and then Caleb knowing exactly what Lincoln's looking for. I mean, some of the play calls were fantastic. The Mario Williams touchdown I thought was very interesting because Lake McCree was lined up as the running back. Now, they put Lake McCree in the backfield before. Sometimes that's kind of an offset fullback. Sometimes as beside Caleb Williams – as in a two-back set, and he kind of has the lead blocker for the running back, but they motion the running back out all the way wide. So you split the safeties a little bit wider, and then Lake McCree just basically still runs his route from the, the running back spot. Um, you know, had a little short out or something, but it oh, splits the safeties enough that Mario Williams is able to run right down the seam for a 24-yard touchdown. So... Things like that, where you know you know that's from film study, um, and Caleb delivers a perfect ball on it. There was, I mean, he had 17 consecutive completions at one point, point. Um, and I think there was an incompletion, but then the next one after that, he throws throws another dime to uh, Brendan Rice. Very nice play defensively, but he put the ball where only Brendan Rice could get it, and it could have been another touchdown for him. Uh, he even his incompletions are impressive, and that's you know it, it just he continues to to flash, and the fact that the entire nation got to see it because it was an early game, you know that should have been the story coming out of this game. Is it Heisman Trophy number two on the way? Question mark, but instead we're talking about the defense afterwards.
1: Yeah, that's a great point and something I was going to touch on, but yes, it, Caleb Williams was Caleb Williams, and then some, and it was a, it was a great performance, six touchdown passes. Uh, matches his career high. I believe that is the most since Matt Barkley through six uh, in 2014, I believe. So we should be talking about this incredible performance first. But obviously, Alex Grinch, Lincoln Riley's comments in the postgame presser, the defense, the collapses. It was what drawing headlines instead of, you know, talking about another special game from a special player, number 13. And shotgun, if I won two Heisman, the first thing I would do is make them kiss. <laughs> just because right. it's never been done before that's literally never been done before i just yeah, want to point sure? that out i mean i mean I'm, I'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i'd be the first to do it i'm gonna jump into my stock up and you know i love turning a stock up into spinning a negative kind of thing so i have stock up on deja vu because there were so many times i was watching this game on the sidelines where it's like shotgun i watched this game nine months ago <laughs> in arlington texas i watched this in jerry dome the same exact feeling of that big lead and then everything starts to just slowly slowly collapse it's it's not all at once it's little things that continue to build up it's like a, a big run there a touchdown there you're thinking okay usc fans are like thinking okay it's fine we just go down with we'll sports okay And you get a three and out and then you punt and then they come back and they score. And then you realize, Oh, they've scored on three straight possessions. And, and so, and then you find yourself down two when they have the ball and you're just on your heels reeling. That is the exact same game I watched in the cotton bowl, except obviously the score was a little bit different this time, but very much the same feeling I got watching that game as I did on Saturday there down there in Folsom field.
2: Yeah, definitely and uh, you know but a little bit better clock management by Colorado. I mean, not calling the run straight up the middle. Um a little bit surprising there to call back-to-back runs up the middle they were with
1: like booing them shotgun. They were yeah. booing
2: them. And and g- g- great give credit to the the fans for being locked in and be like, "What are you doing?" It is what are you doing? Are you thinking you're going to hit I mean, if they bust one for 40 yards, no one says anything, but they didn't. I um, mean, give credit to USC's defense there, I guess. But you know they they stretched out that drive, and Colorado eventually scores the touchdown. But there's not enough time. So as long as USC recovered the onside kick, Colorado didn't have any timeouts. USC was able to take three knees, and the game was over. So you know you got to wonder about the clock management there. I will give a little bit of credit to a couple of drives for USC. They gave up a a touchdown on that drive, but it was a long drive. So and there was that drive in the first half where they end up missing the field goal. Which was 16 plays, 67 yards, and they went, it took six minutes. But USC actually went with bend but don't break on that final drive. It was 10 plays, 78 yards, took over four minutes, but it was bend but don't break. And sometimes you're going to give up a touchdown at the end of it. But I would like to see a little bit more of bend but don't break with this defense. Because you you got if you let your if you don't give up the explosive plays and you let your pass rush get to work and you keep them out of third and shorts, that pass rush finally gets there and gets you off the field a lot of those times. So, you know, if they can and not give up a 65 yard catch to start a drive, then you have a chance to eventually get off the field. In college football, offenses make a lot of mistakes. Quarterbacks don't hit receivers. Guys miss blocks they make a lot of mistakes that's why Caleb Williams and what he does in Lincoln Riley's offense is so spectacular because when he doesn't connect on a pass when he throws like when he missed Austin Jones for the touchdown at Arizona State you're like wow that doesn't normally happen but that happens a lot in college offenses so if you can you know force teams to beat you versus you miss one tackle and suddenly it's a 35 yard game or you put your safety uh, who's not great in coverage, in one-on-one coverage with Marvell Tell – I mean, not Marvell Tell, Kalen Bullock, other seven. Uh, Kalen Bullock moving down into the box, and you have no help over the top. It's just not putting your players in the best position. So that's some of the things that I would like. Can you clean those things up and force teams to beat you with a long drive? And if they do, give them credit. And, hey, yeah, you give credit to Colorado on that last drive. But that last drive took four minutes and 15 seconds when they needed to take two minutes so they would have a chance. So the defense in a roundabout way helped them win the game on that final drive by not giving up the explosive play. But can you do that with more regularity? Um, And I know that's jumping off of our our stock up, stock
1: down. Sorry, Chris, but had to go on the record. I can't can't wait for someone to aggregate that and go uh, us football.com expert says USC's defense doing the right thing. Make that (laughs) the headline and, Uh, take it out of context Uh, i really do yeah but you make a great point with the with the bend don't break because if you remember usc's defense to start 2022 felt really bend don't break that was kind of their bread and butter and you if you are bend don't break with these talented players that they got out of the transfer portal usc's probably going to the playoff they're a much better defense and right now they're just like an eggshell defense they're just breaking all over the place (laughs) and and it's partly because of
2: the aggressiveness of the scheme um and it's partly because they're missing tackles you know when you miss tackles you you can't be bent but don't break so uh, that's the biggest thing that has to be cleaned up we'll talk about that in a minute let's stock up let's go let's go give some props to the defense though There are a couple guys i thought had some nice moments Dejan Benton. I mean, I, I'm sure you have him on your list, too. Um, his Coming out game. I mean, maybe you call it the Dejan, Dejan Benton game because, you know, he had the big sack. Uh, he was all over the place. Uh, you know, a t- couple tackles for loss. I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but he was fantastic in this game. He got the opportunity. He was on my stock up last week. If You guys remember said, hey, he's getting more reps, getting more opportunities. And you see why he got those opportunities. He was out there and made a bunch of plays for USC, uh, which was really key for them because, you know, no one else on the defense line really did much. So he came up and had the sack. He had another tackle for loss. He ended up with three tackles, but he had a lot of pressure, I thought, on, on the QB in this game was making some impacts. I mean, the tackle for loss was terrific, was amazing, actually. Splitting a double team, getting in the backfield and then throwing the running back and then, because it was Dylan Edwards and he's like five foot eight. He just gave him a big bump too at the end of it. And Dylan Edwards is like, what's going on, man? Why are you bumping me? What's going on here?
1: The, the crowd really wanted that. Unsportsmanlike. <laughs> they really wanted, I felt it was borderline. I, I don't think it was uh, unsportsmanlike, but you're playing on the road in this environment. The refs may be a little bit more uh, trigger happy with the flag mm-hmm. in those situations with the crowd behind them, like going, going crazy. So, yeah, it was definitely towing the line in terms of maybe drawing it. But, yeah, I got a great shot of that on my uh, field level highlights. So, uh, hey, yeah, he had a great game.
2: Hey, Dylan Edwards, Paul Pierce was in attendance. He should have taken some Paul Pierce acting and you know, fully sold out. Laid out backwards, splayed yourself onto the yeah. ground. Go for the penalty.
1: M- missed the opportunity. He's a freshman. He's a freshman uh, shotgun. <laughs> doesn't doesn't know that yet. Doesn't know that yet. You, you know, give give him time. Give him time. He'll be flopping all over the place. But, yeah, Dejan Ben. Really great game, and obviously he was someone who was like breaking out at the start of 2022 in fall camp. Then just got the, uh, I believe it was a wrist injury or a finger injury that you know needed him to be casted. So kind of, kind of dampened down the momentum he had built up in fall camp. So definitely feels like he's uh coming on stronger for for USC's defensive line, which uh, you know was looking for some more playmakers to go along with uh, Mr. Bear Alexander. I'm going to give stock up to someone I'm sure. You have on your list too, but Christian Roland Wallace went out there, got the start. I I felt like I was, uh, dancing around the fact that I thought that Christian Roland Wallace was going to play a much bigger role this weekend. I was watching him in practice and I thought, I think he's going to start this week. I saw him practicing, uh, interceptions like ball, ball skill drills by himself with a student trainer after practice one day. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to predict that he's going to have an interception. And I did, and then I erased it, Shotgun. I erased it off my five predictions. <laughs> I felt very stupid when I panned the camera and I see him racing down the field with an interception. I went up and looked up his career stats. He only had two interceptions in his career coming into this game, which is wild, given all the snaps and games that he has started over the course of his uh, career at Arizona. But only two interceptions. Got his third on uh, against Colorado uh, on Saturday and yeah, he looks like he is going to emerge as that other cornerback spot. Played well uh, the week before at Arizona State. I think we both gave him some props uh, for that Monday episode. And then Christian Roland Wallace just building momentum now, moving more back to, moving back to his more traditional spot as a cornerback.
2: Yeah, and, and he's a versatile guy. They moved him inside to play that kind of faux linebacker spot a couple of snaps in this game when they went to a dime. So he's the chess piece. Can you use him in different ways? Um, can you move him around a, a little bit more, but also I had him on my stock up because the guy played 107 total snaps. Now that may not sound outrageous because of what Travis Hunter has done in the first couple of games for Colorado. But that is, I've been charting every single snap of every single USC game for the last, this is the ninth year I've done it. I didn't realize it was that many years, but ninth year, that's the second most of any USC player in a single game. The exception be or the only person he's behind is Damian Mama in that wild uh, Penn state Rose bowl, because he was on a ton of special teams as well. So Christian Wallace played 90 snaps on defense. So that means he played another 17 on special teams. Uh, he's on, he was on kickoff coverage. He was on uh punt return. I believe it was. So, you know, he's out there for a, a bunch of snaps. So, you know, give him props. Uh, he, he gave up, I think, seven of 10 uh, receptions. He was targeted 10 times, gave up seven catches for 70 yards, according to PFF. So not the greatest day there necessarily, but 13 yards after catch. And I think that's a big thing with how much USC struggle with, with their tackling. He didn't, he was uh, tagged with one missed tackle in this game, but he had six according to PFF. Uh, I don't have the the official stats in front of me right now, but um, so overall, just a, a great game for him as the starter. And you see, the hierarchy of the cornerback position is evolving each week, it feels like. You know, Jacoby Covington misses a game, and people are like, Oh, is he transferring out? It's like, no, he just he's he's out, he's banged up. Um, he comes back and he was actually in front of Sierra Wright this week. See, and he got a couple of drives in the second, third quarters in place of Demon Jackson. Now, at the very end of the game, also very interesting. I don't understand some of these rotations, was Damani Jackson, he makes the tackle and kind of gets kicked in the head um, as he's making the tackle. He comes out he doesn't return for the rest of the game. Sierra Wright takes the final snaps. So instead of Jacoby Covington at the end, they put in Sierra Wright. So it doesn't make a ton of sense as far as as how they're going about it. Same thing with the linebackers. I can't figure out what the rotations mean. And I think that's somewhat of a concern also, but – Christian Wallace has stepped up in those rotations each week. He's played basically every single second half snap. And now he's playing the first half snaps so, all too. So just adding to his tally. Another defender. We got a lot of defenders on the stock up. It seems like, um, I guess that's because we're so used to the offense doing well, but I got stock up Braylon Shelby. Keep an eye on him in the mix. Okay. This game got some rotations. Um, and, and And I know, Chris, I know you're big on Braylon Shelby. I know you've been keeping an eye on him. But keep an eye on him that he may start taking more reps from uh, either Anthony Lucas and Solomon Bird if they want to put him there, or at the Russian spot where he's been playing, Jamil Muhammad um, and Romello Height. He actually was rotating in instead of it being those two guys there was three guys in the rotation. So there were stretches where we didn't see Jamil Muhammad for, you know, 10, 15 plays. Um, and that's part of the reason why is Brendan Shelby. Now that may just be because you're at altitude and you want to rotate a little bit more, which I would have been perfectly fine with them doing a little bit more in some other positions, including the secondary where the multiple guys played 90 snaps. Um, but I, I thought Brendan Shelby, when he was in there though, it wasn't just that he got those extra snaps. We said that about Dejan Benton last week. Hey, he's moving up, getting some extra snaps. He didn't make a big impact in that game he did this week Braylon Shelby made an impact last game uh in this Colorado game he when he was on the field he's flying around he's making an impact in the run game making tackles um and getting a little bit of pressure on the quarterback too so he's a guy that I think is is starting to make that ascension from okay freshman we're getting him in for you know for some snaps against the the bad teams at the beginning of the schedule now, hey, we need to get him in the rotation because he's a guy that's making plays.
1: gun just said that he had mentioned Dejan Benton before Dejan Benton broke out for this game. So now he's mentioning Braylon Shelby. Buy stock in Braylon Shelby if you can find it. If you can find it. You're going to have to go to the black markets to find it because I got a lot of it and I'm not moving it. So, yeah, the, around this time, around the sixth game of the season, five is when you're starting to see kind of those freshmen get their legs under them and start to kind of get used to the speed of the game and start making more plays. And it looks like, yeah, Braylon Shelby is one of those guys who's finally coming into his own as a true freshman uh, in college football. So yeah, that's a great, great sign for him and a very talented player, but I think it's going to be very, very good. I had stock up on, I got to shout him out. Jude Wolf catching his first career touchdown. I was battled through, through a lot of, of injuries over the last two years. And just as, his uh all his four years here at usc he's battled you know foot injuries and back injuries a couple surgeries so to have him go out there and catch a wide open touchdown and him to let out all those emotions i tweeted out the uh the video which i was in great position appreciate him for finding my camera in that moment so just to have number 18 jude wolf a fellow cilantro boy if you will get in the end zone for the first time first catch of the season is a touchdown and yeah, just, just a really cool moment for him. And, you know, just, just going crazy with uh, Lake McCree and the rest of the team.
2: Uh, Chris quick diatribe. Uh, I didn't remember that Elijah Vera Tucker was a cilantro boy as well. They had a segment on him. Uh, um, I believe before the Monday night football game. Uh, I and mean, then he was playing starting right tackle now for the jets, which I didn't realize until last night as well. So, or Sunday night game. Um, but you know, fellow cilantro boy who continues to be impressive in, in the league has played pretty much every position on the offensive line, except for center for the jets and has been one of their best linemen during it. So uh, I just want to throw that in there as well. Stock up on cilantro boys. It sounds
1: like what you're saying
2: could be, Uh, I got a partial homecoming as a stock up partial homecoming for Brendan rice, getting back to to Boulder, getting back to Folsom field. You know, he's had some emotions going into that game and made the most of it. You know, he he was fantastic in the game. He was too big for their DBs at times. And, and, you know, he was fantastic, you know, catching the ball away from his body uh, and making plays and ended up with, what, two touchdowns in that game? So, you know, that's a pretty good reunion tour, if you want. You know, return to your old stomping grounds. You know, they don't like you anymore. My ex, I'll just walk in with uh, those two touchdowns and wave that around. a Colorado
1: fan call him a traitor after he had a big catch, and then he gave the uh, Colorado fan base uh, I can't hear you after a second touchdown. <laughs> I can't hear you ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, a very nice homecoming, partial homecoming, as you called it, for Brendan Rice. And you know, he was very appreciative of the time he had at Boulder and the, the postgame presser just like, you know, I love to hear, I love to go hiking, I love the environment, I love coming over that hill into Boulder and, and seeing this this place. So yeah, he was very appreciative of his first home, but Obviously, he's on to a different place and obviously having a very, very good start to the season. Seven touchdowns uh, through the course of five games this year, which is uh, tied for the lead in the Pac-12. Nine touchdowns in his last six games. He's on fire. Fuego. He's, he's you know, living up to it. What he said he was going to do. Uh, I had stock up on Mason Cobb. Now, look, mm. compared to his last game. This was a much, much better Mason Cobb that we saw on the field. And to his credit, he said, you know, I'm going to play better. He didn't feel like himself uh, in that Arizona State game, coming back from four weeks of, uh, you know, no football. And, yeah, he, he he didn't look his best. He didn't look like the Mason Cobb that, you know, USC fans thought they were getting from Oklahoma State. Didn't have a perfect game. Obviously, no one really on that defense did, especially the linebackers. But Mason Cobb, you saw the flashes. You saw the plays of what made him such a standout playmaker for Oklahoma state. You saw that Mason Cobb at times, and he looked a much more confident, better position, better tackling. He was, he was more of an impact than he was against Arizona state. So I have to give stock up for Mason Cobb for, for getting out of that rut that he had last weekend against the sun devils.
2: Yeah. He bought a ton of energy. He was flying around. It felt like he was hesitant last week against Arizona state. And now he kind of let it loose. And I don't know if that's the injury, I mean, you don't trust your body for whatever the injury is uh, to be able to push off or whatever. Uh, But he definitely looked much better in this game. Definitely stock up from where he was at last week against Arizona State. I mean, he had 13 tackles. PFF gave him him 18. They gave him 11 solo and 7 assisted. So I don't know if that's a clerical error on, you know, during the game. You know, they just didn't see it. And PFF graded him out um, pretty well. He was the highest graded guy for USC in their initial grading But he had a couple missed tackles, and that's something that still needs to be cleaned up. But he wasn't, he was flying around, but still under control. And he wasn't just being a heat seeking missile and attacking blockers, and then the running back runs right by. Because that's something that was happening earlier and something that's still kind of happening with Tackett Curtis where those guys want to be physical. They won't make the, uh, an, uh, an impression on the offensive lineman, let them know, hey, you're not pulling around just coming up in this hole and you know, think we're going to baby foot up and try to get around you. No, we're going to hit you and make it. But there's been way too many times through this first five games where linebackers have been flying up without eyes on the ball. They just fly up and hit whoever's pulling, and then the running back makes one move and he goes right by him. Like you got you got to be an athlete, you got to see where the, the running back's coming, create that impact and throw the lineman into the, the running back if possible. Take out both of them if you're gonna do that. But then sometimes you gotta to, got to realize like I can't go for that big hit every single time. You know, you gotta choose your battles kind of there. And Mason Cobb making an impact with his play. Lincoln Riley also mentioned on Trudges Live, he said that his, he makes an impact on other players by bringing them along with his fire, his energy. And when he's playing well, I think the defense will play better too uh, in that regard. So I think when he's going, he's that's why he's a captain. You know, he brings that fire. So they got to make sure that he's a guy they can get some consistency out of and they can cut down on the missed tackles. He can be a big impact guy for them, even though just a week ago, everyone wanted to bench him and never let him play football again because that's what the P does. Do uh, you have any more stock-ups, Chris? I, I got one more kind of tandem one to wrap up mine. It's a couple wide receivers. Uh, Taj Washington mentioned him. He was on stock-up last week. What does he do? He goes out eight catches, 117 yards, 71-yard touchdown. Feels like all he does is catch touchdowns. So that's what it started with in this game. But then he went and got a bunch more catches too to add to it. And then on the other side, Omarion Miller, freshman what a what a debut there. Uh you know, first catch is a 65-yard catch down the sideline finishes with 196 yards and a touchdown. He was fantastic in this game. It makes you wonder, whew, what could you know, the the future is bright in Colorado for sure. They're recruiting really well and they got playmakers like that. They're going to be looking good. It would have been a real fun battle for a few years going down the road against Lincoln Riley, but that won't be the case with all the conference realignments.
1: I had one more stock up and i'll make it quick but stock up on quicksand and if you know where i'm going with this he's not in his head nodding his head we at the healing boys podcast yep. love the movie the replacements and it has so many good quotes it's a funny movie but it's also a very truthful movie about the game of football so i'm just gonna read the full quote shotgun because it deserves to be read right. on this podcast shane falco's when they're when they're talking about what's their biggest fear He says quicksand and his definition, not not bees, not bees. We're not talking (laughs) about bees. I did kill a yellow jacket down on the sideline. So I did get a little flashback to that where it was like bees, bees like spiders. Oh, when I crawling up your arm. Okay. I'm doing too much, doing too much. We're here for one specific quote. All right. The quote is you're playing and you think everything is going fine. Then one thing goes wrong. And then another and another, you try to fight back, but the harder you fight, the deeper you sink until you can't move you can't breathe because you're in over your head like quicksand that is what comes to mind when i was watching this team in the second half you know you give up a big play give up a big touchdown run you you don't you drop a ball and you have to punt you have to give it back all these things kept compounding with usc both the offense especially with the defense it just keeps building and building and building and it just feels like they're stuck and they can't do anything. And this is why we see these collapses. And I kept going back to this quote in my head. You know, Shane Falco said it best. You know, you're in over your head. It's like quicksand. So this stock up on quicksand, I, I think this is, a, I think a lot of it is just, I know some of it is schematics and, you know, missing tackles and things you're doing. But I think some of it is also partially mentally about it when you just, it keeps compounding and you feel this pressure and everything keeps going wrong.
2: Yeah, I think that, I don't know. I can't remember if you tweeted that during the game, but I thought the same thing. And maybe it was because you tweeted something about it. But it w- it's a perfect description of this team. It's the same thing with Tulane, and it, it's the same thing for the fans right now because they feel like, oh no, one thing goes wrong, what's going to what bad is going to happen next? And you know, USC answered the first time. You know, they they got that sixty-five yard completion. They get down. They score a touchdown. Okay, it's all right. You're still up, I think it was 48, 27, or maybe it's uh no, it was 41-21 at that time. Okay, no big deal. USC goes down and answers. Score a touchdown, you're back up by 27 points with 17 minutes to go in the game. 27 points with 17 minutes to go. That's that's easy, no doubt. You're gonna win this every time, but then it starts slipping. You know, they scored another touchdown. You're like, all right, we're not getting stopped, but at least our offense is rolling. They've been chewing up everything. First play, Caleb Williams throws an interception. And you go, oh, 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 oh okay, we're still good, we're still good. But they score again. So now it's, you know, the 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 scores is slowly tightening up. Now it's 48-34, you're like two scores, and there's still plenty of time left in the fourth quarter. There's still 12 minutes to go. And you're like, we got a ball game now. This, we were up 34 to seven. How does this happen? How is this a ball game? And it just slowly is just like pulling you down. It's pulling you down and you're not making the plays. Uh, you you have the incompletion of Taj Washington on third down. It's right there. He's on his hands. Tough catch. And that's one thing he normally makes, but doesn't in this situation. And so it's that small things that normally go right for you suddenly are going wrong. And it goes wrong again and again and again. And that's it was such a such an apt description of what this team is right now in the second halves. Uh you know, it's you get that feeling, like they're just rolling. And that's the Lincoln Riley offense. That's been the case with him at Oklahoma, where he would get up big and suddenly teams are back in it. For whatever reason, his defenses can't keep teams from rolling back, and the offense suddenly starts you know, just being a, just a little off. That's all it takes. And you're not rolling. You're not eating up any clock. You're not running the ball enough, all those things. And suddenly, team's right back in it. And if Colorado had better time management, who's to say they don't force a punt and get off the field? And USC, you know, defense has to make a stop to keep them from um, tying the game as regulation ends. Uh, the question then becomes, Chris, would would they have gone for two? They're going for two.
1: Yeah, they're they're going for two. Absolutely. That place is going bonkers. You're prime. You're thinking, screw it. Let's do this. They're absolutely going for two. USC's on their heels. There's nothing they can do. There be nothing they could do, and I would 100% believe they would get that and, and win. But, yeah, I think quicksand was a perfectly apt description. So since we're
2: talking about pulling things down, what do you got for stock down, Chris?
1: What do I got for stock down? I'm going to start with a small one, sort of stock down. Obviously, on Corey Foreman, Corey Foreman, the former number one overall prospect in his class, I believe it's 2021. Uh, I might, I might be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Corey Foreman obviously did not make the trip out to Colorado. He's not with the defensive line group, and he traveled for ASU. And it's just, you know, another. I don't want to say low point, but it's just another marker in the Corey Foreman chapter. And, you know, this is someone who USC fans always ask about, like, when is Corey Foreman going to break out? When is it going to come through? When is it going to come through? I don't know. And I don't know if it will ever come through at USC. I'm not. I'm not sure. But the fact that he did not travel for this game tells me that maybe, you know, he's going to, take a step back and maybe he's going to focus on redshirting, kind of like a a relief Brown situation. So we'll see this week in practice. I'm sure that'll be something to keep an eye on, but you know, him not making the trip out to Colorado is a kind of a telltale sign.
2: Yeah. This is the first time he hasn't traveled because even the two games he didn't play in last year, Oregon state and Arizona. And then also he didn't play in the Arizona state game last week, those three games that he has not played in the last two years, he still traveled for all three of those. So You know, on the road, you kind of shrink down the rotations a little bit, so that's part of the reason why a guy down the the down the depth chart doesn't get in necessarily. But even on those, he was traveling, so definitely it. You know, he averaged over 18 snaps a game last year, so for him not to be in the mix is is disappointing because of the potential he still has. I think he still has the potential in there. It's just unlocking it and getting it to to go, and you know, hope for the best for him um because you know i think he's a, a really good kid and i think that you know if he gets gets the right opportunity then he can be special again and that's what you want to see we all we want to see all these kids live up to their potential and you know be able to do that so um disappointing for sure i have stocked down on last week i had John davis inexplicably this week i have eric gentry inexplicably for whatever reason eric gentry Played two drives in the first half. He was matched up, I believe, with Mason Cobb the first time and the second time with Tackett Curtis on those two drives. Colorado got, I think it was 16 yards or 18 yards on nine plays, 16 yards on nine plays, and punting both times. Then we did not see Eric Gentry at linebacker again. So, I, I mean, I understand they, they talk about how you gotta do You gotta prove it in practice to get the playing time. But once you get in the game and perform, shouldn't that mean something? And I kind of look back and now I didn't fine-tooth it necessarily. But I look back and like I didn't feel like he was out of position, like missing a bunch of tackles or anything. And hey, someone else is just making the plays, and the defense was getting out the field despite him. And Eric Gentry is such a dynamic defender that it was it's kind of baffling. And there were back to back drives too. You know, he played, it was a three and out with Mason Cobb. And then, uh, you know, a a six, uh, they got one first down, third and one, and then three and out after that. So, you know, nine plays, they got, like I said, 16 yards. And then we don't see our gentry again. So people go, well, is he hurt? You know, uh, I put out the numbers um, of the snap counts by quarter. And people asked me if he's hurt. I said, no, or at least I wouldn't think so because he was still on the kick return unit, which we saw him get the block. And he was still covering kickoffs so throughout the entirety of the second half. So that didn't tell me he's hurt. So it definitely was uh, surprising. I don't know the right word for it. Baffling? Um, I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't understand the linebacker rotations at all, to be honest. I don't.
1: Personally, I'm using the word bamboozled Mm. for my uh, confusion over why no number 18 air gentry isn't on the field more assuming he is he just makes plays and he changes the the dynamic of that middle of that defense with you know that seven foot wingspan you saw it on the obviously it's not defense but you saw it on the the punt block uh stock down on stock down on trying to punt against a six foot seven linebacker i mean that was a that was a great play and shout out to Melo Hyde for recovering that one uh yeah it was i i just don't i don't get it and it just seems like he, Eric Gentry, and Mason Cobb are your best middle linebackers for right now. You know, they're both healthy. They're they're healthier than they were, you know, several weeks ago. At least that's what my understanding is. So I just don't understand why Eric Gentry is not on the field board. And hopefully we get an answer to that, or we can find an answer to that. I have stock down on the longer we go, the better we mm. get. Yeah, USC's that one took a hit. Whole, yeah, that one took a hit. Uh, you know, if you're not you're not sure what I'm referring to, that is uh, USC's off season motto. All year, all offseason, after the Tulane loss, after the Cotton Bowl, Bowl, they have shirts made with it. The longer we go, the better we get. That's been their offseason motto. And that, as Shotgun said, took a big hit. They did not get better. They got worse as they went on in this game. And it was very evident when a second half collapsed. And... They played really well in that first half. As you pointed out, shotgun, they look like a bona fide college football playoff team. I know it was just Colorado, but they were in that loud stadium. They were handling that noise. They were getting whatever they wanted. They were stopping a dynamic quarterback and his dynamic weapons. They were shutting them down. And then every the, the roof fell off. I mean, the, the bottom fell out. Not the roof, the bottom. And the roof collapsed on top of them. Time. The roof collapsed. The roof collapsed as the bottom fell out. That's what we're trying to say, and yeah, they did not. They did not go. They did not get better the longer that game went. They did not. So I have to. I have to give stock down. I know it feels like I'm poking fun of them, but that was your offseason motto, and I have no choice but to put it on stock down.
2: Uh, I have stock down, and I think we'll go with this: is a connected team, and by that I mean your offense helps your defense, your defense helps your offense. You play special teams in between. I just made up that jingle. You can steal it if you want, Chris, and make it into, you know, a, a number one hit if you want. But part of the reason why it felt like they – and I don't necessarily – I never saw anything that said, oh, the defense is tired. You can tell that guy is struggling out there because you can see that at times. And people – some people will dismiss the altitude. Other people will try to play it up way too much. I just think that if you normally play five straight plays – it's probably best to play four straight plays and then get a sub in for someone that's like a defense lineman or something um, when you're at altitude. Because it just, you feel it in your chest. Like even covering the game, when I've been up there, like you feel it in your chest because I'm like trying to run sideline to sideline, uh, you know, going through the stands and stuff. And like you get to the other side and you're just like, all right, you just got to take that extra breath, that one extra breath. And I'm not out there banging and b- uh, battling in the trenches or anything, but you definitely feel it. Now, how much of an impact, I'm not going to get into that whole portion of it, but I didn't feel like I saw guys huffing and puffing on the defensive side, but it takes a toll when you're playing 90 snaps in any game, any game. And that was the case in this one. When you have your your secondary playing 90 snaps, Christian Roland Wallace, Jalen Smith, and Kalen Bullock, basically all three of those guys playing that many, Didn't are they a – Tick slow, you know. I think more when you slip, and we saw a lot of players slipping. Do you recover quicker when you're fully health? I mean, do you recover a little bit slower when you're tired? And that's what happens. You do. Now, how is it a tenth of a second? Is it a hundredth of a second? It's slower. You know, I just played basketball. I'm completely out of shape, and by the second game, I'm like, all right. There's certain plays where I'm going to run all the way down the court, and there's other ones where if I if it looks like my guy's got it, I'll stop at half court. You know, I'm gonna save my energy where for times I can. And when I'm like trying to play defense, and suddenly, you know, the thing you there's a turnover or something, and it starts going the other way, it's a step slower when you get tired. So I felt like that was more the case, and I felt like they were rotations to be made. They could have rotated a little bit more at the cornerback position. they could have got Sierra right in there. Now that then makes me wonder. Where's the trust? Because it feels like there are trust issues with a lot of people. And there's some players where it feels like there's too much trust. There's too much trust with Taco Curtis. I don't understand why he's playing as much as he is right now. Maybe if it's just to get him snaps. He's not playing as well as Rayjean Davis and Eric Gentry on a consistent basis. And they talk about consistency so much that it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I understand wanting him to get in there and get playing time and rotate, but like I said, there's too many times where he's a heat-seeking missile, but the running back's running by him. So, and he's a freshman. He's going to make those type of mistakes. So why are you putting it on him to play, you know, the vast majority of the snaps? I don't understand when you have Eric Gentry, who's a game changer, um, and you have Ray John, who's been playing really well. I don't think he played great in this game. Maybe you can put him on stock down if you want, but, you know, I, I think that there's the trust that they don't have in some players, the trust they do have in some other players, it doesn't, from the viewing of the games, it doesn't make sense. Now, maybe that's going back to the practice. He's a great practice player. Well, hey, if you can knock down every three in practice, that's great. That's fantastic. What do you do in the games, though? If you're a 28% shooter in the game and you shoot 60% in practice, what does it matter what you shoot in practice? And I feel like that's something that, and maybe that's – we don't see practice. We don't get to watch as much as we used to because we used to be able be like, Elijah Mary Tucker needs to be in the game. He needs to be playing because we see him in practice. He's mauling people. We can't say that that's something that's practice. And hey, that guy's just practicing so much better. That's why they're playing him. We can't say that. So we have to watch the games. And what we see in the games, the production is not is not cohesive with the playing time, in my opinion, for some spots. And so uh, that that's confusing to me. And so there's a connection issue there um, as far as, okay, and, and that goes back to, all right, to go back to my original point, you know, me going on the dive traps here, the connected team. Can your offense slow things down, not snap the ball with 20 seconds, and, you know, eat a little bit of clock to give the defenders a little bit more time? Because you have seen someone is charting up there in that booth, that says these guys are playing a ton of snaps already. You know, Christian Roland Wallace has been out there, and it's halftime, and we've already played you know forty snaps or whatever it is. Yeah, at halftime, Colorado had run forty-eight offensive plays. That's a lot already. So if someone's out there the entire time, it's like, all right, at halftime, we need to make an adjustment. And say, hey, okay, early in the third quarter, let's get somebody else rotated in, give them a you know a break or whatever, mid to third quarter, whatever. And then, but the problem is. If you've waited that long, now quicksand hits. And when that quicksand hits, you're like, I can't take my best cornerback, the guy who who we're trusting most right now off the field at all. I can't take this guy. I can't take Barry Alexander out. Barry Alexander's huffing and puffing. Is he the same player as the next guy? He may still be better. But, you know, that's the decisions you have to make along the way. And it feels like there's not that connection to where, all right, we see the defenders are playing a ton of snaps. Let's pull it back a little bit. Let's slow it down. Now it doesn't necessarily have to be the run game. You can still run those quick bubble screens and different things that are an extension of the run game. But one of the things that I thought was very interesting was how quickly they were snapping the ball in that second half uh, when the clock was moving at times. And maybe that's because you don't want the atmosphere and the crowd getting into it, and you wanted to clean that up from last week. And that's kind of the, you know it's the catch twenty two. But in that situation, it feels like you needed to make an adjustment. It didn't seem like USC did that. And there was a lot, several other things it felt like in the second half where there, there were adjustments to
1: be made that were not being made fully. That was a really good breakdown. And I'm not going to be able to top anything that you just said <laughs> in there. So I don't have any more stock downs. I know I used a lot of my negative hits in my stock up. So I'm going to let you run through whatever you got left for stock down.
2: Uh, Honestly, the only thing else I have, and it's just a quick one, is the Zachariah Branch-Travis Hunter matchup, because, oh, man, that would be fun to watch, and we didn't get it. So, And we're not going to get it in the next year. So, unfortunately, unless USC plays Colorado in a bowl game next year and Travis Hunter decides to play in the bowl game, uh, we're not going to get that matchup, and that would have been very fun to see if they got matched up one-on-one.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a – I actually saw a Facebook argument in a football group that I'm in which is who's better? Zachariah Branch or Travis Hunter? Like which one are you taking? And it seemed like, you know, I mean, this is a Southern California based Facebook group, but it seemed like it was like sixty forty. It was you're they're taking Zachariah Branch or Travis Hunter. I'm taking Travis Hunter. Two way, baby. More more
2: value. Uh one quick All other right? stock down. Uh Jack Sullivan only played six snaps in this one. So uh, he was the guy kind of fell out of the rotation a little bit there. Keon Bars played a little bit more than he did last week. He only played, what, nine snaps last week, had 19 in this game. Uh, they moved Tyrone Toleni up. He played a little bit more than he did last week, went from six to 15 snaps. But Jack Sullivan is kind of the guy that, that took the hit there. He only played six snaps in this one, only one in the second half.
1: Still have high hopes for him. I still have high hopes for him. I think he can help.
2: I mean, if you want to go overarching and you say stock down on kind of the defensive transfers outside of Bear and Jamil, it feels like. You're not getting as much production. And maybe now Christian Roll Wallace being in the starting lineup. Um, but the guys in that front seven, you know, Mason Cobb is, is looked good and this, much better in this game, but has not been the guy you expected him to be there. And then, you know, Keon Bars hasn't done it a bunch. You haven't seen much from Jack Sullivan. Having it, Anthony Lucas still hasn't got, you know, that first sack very close a couple times, but still hasn't got there. So, you know, those guys we expected to, or they may push everybody else out of the way, haven't necessarily done it so far. And maybe that's just getting used to the defense and everything else. And maybe we're waiting uh, for a second half surge. That could be a possibility, and that would be great for this defense uh, because I think those guys can have a big impact still.
1: Straka, let's move out of stock up, stock down. I don't have a stock neutral for this week, so thank goodness we can just. Gl- I had a couple people tell me to you know stock neutral nation. Yeah, I had people come up to me. I just I just want to let you know that. Sure, you did. Let you know that. I just need to let you know that we're not going to argue about this right now. Uh, we're moving into our next topic, which is USC moving into week six, back to the Coliseum to take on Arizona, which if you remember was a very scrappy, fun, kind of wild kind of game that USC, you know, a little bit escaped that one 45 37, I believe was the final score. We had that uh, iconic moment of Lincoln Riley, Screaming at the refs for what was one of the worst, worst. calls I've ever seen. Terrible in a game person. It was it, it might be it, you know. Let's let's say it might be. It is number one, the worst call I've ever seen screwed up on the field. And I've seen some screw ups on the field. <laughs> definitely, definitely the number one moment. But they're taking on Arizona three and two coming in one and one in the conference. And this is a very interesting team, shotgun. Obviously, this is at at home. So you know USC has that that home field advantage, but Arizona maybe a little bit of a QB controversy at the moment with Noah Fafita, the redshirt freshman uh, out of Servite High School, the local kid, and Jaden Delora, the the longtime starter who hurt his ankle in the Stanford win, and they put Noah in in the fourth quarter. He let a touchdown. He led the game winning touchdown drive and got him that win in Stanford, and then. He played very well against number 7 Washington and overall they played Washington very well. They they only lost by a touchdown and they're the only team that has lost to Washington by less than two scores and the only team this this so far this season that has kept them under 40 points. And that is an impressive feat especially as everyone is jumping on the Washington bandwagon. It's so much so and you know Arizona came in you know, humbled them a little bit. They, they played really well. And you have to give credit to Johnny Nansen, the former USC coach. And that coaching staff, they have made defensive improvements across the board for Arizona. I was looking at the numbers. I put it up in the, uh, the quick look. But they have jumped consistently. Like, they're averaging five-spot difference from where they were ranked in total defense, run defense, and, and uh, uh, scoring defense from last season. They were at the bottom of the barrel around eleven. 12, 10. Now they're around six, you know, number five in the conference, number six in the conference. They've jumped across the board defensively, and they've made real strides in that uh, department. But, again, this will be a, a fun test for USC's defense, uh, trying to bounce back at home because they got some weapons over there, shotgun, and one weapon we like to go, we, we know as TMAC, and uh, he, he's coming. So USC better find a way to slow down that big playmaker.
2: Yeah, Teterow and McMillan, uh, you know Noah Fafita's favorite target because he's is one of his good buddies who came for, with him from Servite. Part of the reason I think that um, McMillan chose Arizona was because Fafita was going there, as well as former USC commit tight end commit Keon Burnett. Um, so those three Servite guys went to Arizona. And I think that's part of the reason why the defense is playing better is because they recruited really well um, for Arizona, and the fact that they were coming off of what like a two and ten season or whatever it was. So a couple years ago, so now that second year. The sophomore, you know, there's not sophomore slump. I think those guys are taking that jump from freshman to sophomore year, so I think that's part of the reason. Uh, so they're a, a team that should be kind of scary to USC because there's not going to be any expectation besides USC blowing them out. They're 21-point favorite, um, and then you're, maybe you're facing the backup quarterback. You should blow them out. But they played USC really tough last year. Now part of it is Dorian Singer went off against USC, but they had a really good game plan against Washington, and Washington's offense isn't that – dissimilar from USC, you know, both of them electric, both of them, um, Washington really wants to push the ball down the field. And that's what they took away from Washington. You know, in, in that game, Michael Penix didn't throw for a touchdown. He threw for I think 300 and something yards, but it was check down, check down, check down rather than, you know, getting guys to open down the field, which they have been, they've been consistently being able to do for the last two years under Kalen DeBoer. So uh, it'd be r- really interesting um, you know, and giant Anson still knows some of the players on USC. Now there's been a ton of r- rush or turnover um, since he was last at USC, but he's going to be, he wants to beat USC, you know, from going from USC to UCLA to now Arizona, you know, he, he still remembers his time at USC. He wants to beat the Trojans. Trust me on that one. Um, So, you know, they're going to be amped up for it. Now USC comes home. They play so much better at home. And I think they should be able to beat them pretty handily, but You got to stop the big weapons, and that's been something that USC hasn't necessarily done. You know, Jacob Cowing is a terrific receiver. T Mac, like we talked about last year, Dorian Singer had a big game against USC. Um, Now USC last year when they were playing, they had some injuries. You know, you remember Jordan Addison; they were coming off the Utah game, and they were banged up from that. Gentry was out. Jordan Addison, Mario Williams was a surprise scratch. So you know, if they're healthy going into this week, um, you know, the only two players that did not dress out in this game that have been uh, had been normal guys or normal starters, Zachariah Branch and Max Williams. Hopefully they get those guys back this week. Now, Christian Pierce, also the freshman, has been doing a lot on special teams. Uh, I don't know. Did you see him on the sideline at all? Because he did not play in this game. I assume that it was an injury from the fact that he didn't play at all, and
1: he's been a special teams kind of maven for him. I believe he did not. I believe he did not dress. I believe I saw him, but he did not dress which tells you if, if that's the case, it tells you what they think of him to be able to, to bring him on
2: a road trip because that's not often what happens with a freshman who's banged up. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a challenging game for USC, and, but also an opportunity, an opportunity to get that mojo back, an opportunity to feel better about yourself. If you can shut down Cowing and T-Mac, right, you feel much better about yourself going into the tough stretch. Everyone's talked about the second half of the season. USC's got to finish off the first half first and then start worrying about Notre Dame, Utah, and that whole, you know, the whole, um, you know, punchers, boxing matches. They're going to be in bare knuckle battles with those two teams. Um, But first you got to, you got to take Arizona and you got to take the air out of their offense and then try to, you know, you know, take what they give you. And if they drop eight, you saw what USC was able to do. The Taj Washington touchdown, Caleb Williams being super patient. They only rushed three guys. The offensive line, the tight end stayed in for a little while too to help block. So six guys against three gave him all the time he needed. And USC's receivers will find an opening in the defense, and that's what happened. And took a seventy-one yards. So can they continue to do that? And I think that's something that the Caleb Williams, why he's so good, is that he's been super patient against those zone coverages and stuff where teams are trying to drop a bunch of defenders into you know the short alleys and stuff like that.
1: It's weird to say, <clears throat> obviously because I cover USC, but. I am excited to see T Mac play again in person, especially in Southern California. He is so much fun to watch. He is just a special wide receiver, and he makes ridiculous catches look routine. And he has an amazing catch radius, and he's just super athletic. And yeah, I'm excited to uh, see him play in the Coliseum.
2: I'm curious to see on, on the other side if Dorian Singer can break out. You know, he had a touchdown last mm-hmm. game, but. Caleb Williams had him open for a potential long touchdown pass early in the game. It just feels like they're not quite in sync still. Um, You know, just balls that are just a tad bit too far or whatever it may be where they haven't really linked up. And
1: he's had that big game. Now's the perfect time, you know, going against your former team. And don't forget Keon Barras and Christian roller Wallace also from Arizona. So they will have their chance to uh, make some plays against their old team as well. When the wildcats, Come to the Coliseum, shotgun! Do a wildcat noise for me. No, <laughs> damn it! I thought I I thought I could just slip it in there, and he would just like automatically. <laughs> do <it. laughs> I don't know. Oh, look! There it is! There it is! There it is! He he did. That's it. like a, that's a it. baby on one. record. That was a baby one. That's a, a baby baby one. Okay, a baby baby <laughs> baby, uh, baby wildcat. Uh, shotgun! I think it's time we take a break. We've done a lot. Two minute drill. You know, it's it's the altitude. I'm still feeling it from Boulder, so I think we got to take our break. <laughs> Right now, when we come back, we're going to get into what might be the most questions in the history of any podcast, and then some take it or leave it, and then we'll get out of here with the score prediction. So we'll be right back on the Helium Boys podcast after this break.
0: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
3: And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, Shotgun. I got some oxygen in me. I'm feeling better. So I think we can go ahead and nail some of these questions.
2: All right. Real quick, go back to Arizona. You know, there's familiar faces from the Arizona side coming over. There's also familiar faces on the other side. A couple of USC, former USC commits, Kevin Green Jr., Ephesians Price Um, I feel like there was somebody who someone transferred to Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, right? I'm not, I'm looking at the roster to see if they're who it is, but I feel like there was
1: someone, the uh, former USC are player. That, you have, are you thinking of a Hunter, Hunter Echols last season?
2: Hunter Echols was there. I know he's gone now, but I thought there was one more, but I, I guess I'm mistaken on that. Oh, yeah, another commit being Keon Burnett. So maybe I was just thinking of all the, the commits that USC has lost over to uh, Arizona and then also familiar face for old-time USC, I guess old time now a little bit older USC, uh, Brendan Carroll, pre Carroll's son is the offense coordinator there. And obviously their offense has been really good the last couple of years.
1: Speedy Rayshon Luke is actually with the, with Arizona as well. A former recruit out of a uh, St. John Bosco. So yeah, a lot of a uh, crossover between these two schools. Especially with a lot of SoCal natives coming home to the Coliseum. So it'll be a little bit of a homecoming game for them. Leave it to shotgun to add a little bit of extra after the break, shotgun. <laughs> after the break. Sorry. And then Justin flow,
2: you know, who should have went to USC, even
1: though USC, his career has not need... turned out great so far. All right. All right. All right. All right. You're done. You're done. We're going to the questions. Uh, just a reminder: if you want to email us a question, you can send that to podcast at USCFootball.com. Just make sure you put the Helium Boys Shotgun, Chris. You have to specify which one, and it'll go to my inbox. But Helium Boys is a good start. Uh, The Cilantro Boys, the Helium Boys, just make sure you put the correct one. Shaka, we did get three email questions. So I'm going to start with them because they took the time to obviously send us an email. uh, Old school, old school, kind of. And then we'll get into the Twitter question submission. I'm going to be honest with you, there are a lot. I'm just scrolling, there's like three pages of questions. I'm saddled with shotgun here. I'm not going to be able to get through three pages of questions and get out of here before midnight Pacific time because it's past midnight over there for shotgun. He's actually in the future right now. He's in Tuesday. I'm still on Monday. That's how that's how global we are with this podcast. So I'm going to have to pick and choose these questions moving forward. And hopefully he does a little bit of a rapid fire. But let's get into We'll make an effort. Well, he'll make an effort. (laughs) I will be doing the effort. Uh, our first questions come from john he says hello helium boys three things none of them about the defense thank you john because a lot of those a lot of these questions are going to be about the defense Uh, how great was that play call and play design that got jude wolf his first career touchdown Shaco, we like to go question by question instead of throwing them all at once but yeah he was wide open and i'm sure you have a distinct breakdown of that play
2: yeah, it's the same formation look that they've used with Zachariah Branch coming in motion to an H back spot. So they have Jude Wolf as kind of a you know as a lead blocker as a as a, a fullback beside um, Caleb Williams, and so this is the only play in the game before the kneel downs that they went under center. And so, great play fake by Caleb Williams in this as well. So they're just selling out for the run. So you have the lead blocker there. Yeah, Mario Williams playing that H back spot uh, as the wide receiver. So everything looks like hey, it's going to be a run to the left. They're just trying to get to the edge. You know, get some blocks over there, and they just slip out Jude Wolf the other way. And be- because similar to Josh Follow last year, just because Jude Wolf has not been a target for USC, it's a perfect play because hey, no one's paying attention to that guy. He's going to block. They don't They don't go to two tight ends very often, and when they do, they're not going to send it to that guy. If they're going to they're give it to a tight end. It's going to be the Lake McCree. That's the perfect guy to throw to because no one's paying attention to him, and that's why he's wide open in the end zone. So, yes, a good play design, but that also is a play built off the shoulders of those other plays like the jet sweep that they ran with Zachariah Branch in the Stanford game. You know, Mario Williams is basically in the same spot there. They ran a couple other different looks off of it. So that's not a formation they use very often. But when they do, there's always some different wrinkles off of it that they that they use. So it was a fun play design. And, you know, keep an eye when they go into that kind of look where you have an, a wide receiver playing the H-back spot beside the, you know, beside the offensive lineman. And then they have uh, Jude Wool or excuse me, Lake McCree in the backfield. Something tricky could be coming.
1: Since you're already on the topic of two tight ends, we actually had a Twitter question from Anthony in LA with Jude and Lake. Do you see more two tight end sets in the future?
2: I mean, that's something they could do. It's not necessarily something they've done a ton of. So I actually have been, uh, it's part of the, something that I do with my participation charts. So going back to last year, you know, two tight ends was something they did a good amount in the second half of the season. I mean, against UCLA, they played 26 snaps, with two tight ends, and then with the kneel downs, they had three more. So there were three or four times where they used two tight ends more than you know double-digit snaps. But they've used tight end, two tight ends, you know, three, four, five times at least, almost every game. Um, but this season, not really. They've only you know total they've had eleven snaps, not counting kneel downs, with two tight ends through five games. So, is that something maybe if they feel more comfortable with you, Wolf, they can do? Sure. But then the question is if you play two tight ends, who are you taking off the field? Because when you use one tight end, that means you're taking usually means you're taking Zachariah Branch off the field. Because what they've done so far this season when everyone's been healthy, when they go four wide receivers, you have your two outside guys and they rotate some different guys there, Brendan Rice, Michael Jackson, Dorian Singer, uh, Kyron Hudson, and then the inside guys, the two slots are Mario Williams and Zachary Branch. And now sometimes Taj Washington will rotate in with that group depending on how much they're using it. But what they often do is they have those two slot guys when they want to go to an 11 personnel, which is one tight end and one running back, so when they want to bring the tight end in, they will actually take out both slot guys, so you take out Mario Williams and Zachariah Branch and bring in Taj Washington and the tight end. So that's what they've done. It's kind of been the you know that's been their packaging. The outside receivers they rotate on their own in a separate way, but when they go from four wide receivers to three wide receivers and a tight end, they will take off both Zachariah Branch and Mario Williams. Uh, most that's what they do most frequently. Now it changed obviously with this game with him with Zachary Branch being out. But if you go to two tight ends, all right now you're taking out. Zachariah Branch and now you're taking out either Brendan Rice or Dorian Singer so that's that's the challenge for the tight end group and something I've talked about with Zach Hansen in the past is they feel like they're battling every single day at practice to prove themselves to say hey you should put us on the field rather than that extra slot or rather than another wide receiver so you're battling with Mario Williams and Zachariah Branch every day at practice in their mind because we've got to do enough to prove that we should be on the field and that's Partly is the blocking that they do up front. And then also when they get their chances, uh, then they got to make the most of them. And USC has tried, they tried in the Arizona State game, actually, to target Lake McCree a couple times down the field and both times wide open. He had at least one touchdown, possibly a second one. And both times, Caleb Williams got sacked. One was a strip sack and another time in the red zone, he got behind the safety and was was the, the primary target on it. But Caleb Williams didn't have the time to be able to throw it downfield. So now that's another thing with tight ends. They take a little bit longer to get down the field than Zachariah branch. So th- these are all the things that are going into the, the battle, the position battle to get on the field at USC right now, because that wide receiver group is so deep because they have so many weapons. If you're a tight end, you got to prove yourself over and over and over. So when you get your chance, you catch the ball, you run, you don't fall down one yard past the of scrimmage, you know, you're slipping on the turf. you got to have better balance. Uh, those type things. And, you know, if Drew Wolf continues. He got his chance. He made the most of it. I think he's got one target on the season, one catch, one touchdown. Then that's something that you continue to do. Then maybe you get more opportunities.
1: Going back to John's final parts of his question. Sorry, John, I had to interrupt with this tight end question. Cause I just saw shotgun was talking about it. Might as well slip it in there while he's on the subject. His second question is what is the word on Zachariah branch? They scored 48 points without him on the field. But I noticed his absence and electricity, especially on special teams. We actually got, as you can imagine, a couple questions about people asking the status of Zachariah Branch. He was a quote-unquote surprise for the USC fans, uh, not suiting up, and still traveled, obviously, but he did not play against Colorado. And it was something, obviously, I I wanted to report on, but we're not allowed to because – He did not participate in the early part of practice on Tuesday and was not seen at practice on Wednesday. But obviously, we can't report on that. And I wanted to. It it was just a tough situation, but I I was told he's suffering a uh, uh, he banged up his knee a little bit. I'm not saying it's a serious injury, but obviously he did do warm ups going out there. He did the pre warm up warm ups with the team out, out there at, on the Folsom field. So I think he's close to coming back. It's not considered super serious, but it's more of a precaution. Obviously, it's a knee. He's a wide receiver, he's a fast guy. You don't want to put too much on it when it's not 100%. So I think they were just holding him out to to get him healthier. Obviously, they have a big slate of games coming up in the near future, and that's the guy you want on the field for those games. Will we see him against Arizona? I'm not sure. We have to, we have to uh, go through practice and see what his availability is like. Moving forward, and I'm sure now that the cat's out of the bag and he didn't play, there'll be more status updates on one Zachariah branch.
2: Yeah, no one, because this was the way the defense played in the second half, no, that was not a question that Lincoln Riley was asked after the game. He didn't talk about it on Trojans Live today, tonight either. So uh, we'll see as practice goes. Um, and like I said, Chris is not allowed to report on that because that's USC's rules that I'm not a big fan of, but rules are rules,
1: I guess. Lastly, stock neutral. 10 a.m. 9 p.m. Pacific kickoff didn't really see seem to make a difference to the teams, the fans, etc. Peace, John from Brea, California. So he's given stock neutral to the early kickoff shotgun. First off, there's no stock neutral.
2: So we'll start okay. with that. Um, but second off, um, I think there was an impact on the team um, because your sleep schedule is just thrown off because especially you're traveling on Friday, you're going to travel super early, try to get the guys worn out. But I was told that there were still some players that are like, you know, up in the lobby and stuff a little bit after curfew coming down and try to get some food and stuff like that. And they probably fed them super early to try to get them, you know, to move up their time uh, to move up their body clock and everything. So, you know, I I think there probably were some struggles there just with maintaining routine. And if you've listened to Caleb Williams on the podcast, he's been on his stuff and talk about his pregame routine it's the same all the time it's two of this two of this two of this but he's doing this and he's going to watch this movie and then and like p- players most players are very routine oriented on the night before and the day of games so when you throw that off with not being able to get the amount of sleep that you're looking for then i think it does have an effect now i don't know that it necessarily showed up on the field but i did i think it did impact the team and just their
1: preparation Our other email comes from uh, Ryan and he makes it clear that he is not Ryan Abraham, but this is kind of a long one shotgun. So bear with me. First Thank you guys for all the hard work. You do great content after watching Bryson Shaw's post game presser. And to a lesser extent, some of Grinch's interviews, I come away with a genuine, genuine feeling of confusion as to why the defense can't seem to perform at a requisite level. My heart went out to the kid, especially when he stated The players are letting him down, him being Grinch. He states that they are put in a position to make plays. They simply are not making them. And also goes on to say that practice seems great and is not sure what needs to be done other than executing better. This got me thinking back to my grad school days, strength and conditioning, and some of the sports psychology nerds I hung out with. I say nerd with the utmost respect and admiration and a class I was required to take. One of the many things a good sports psychologist can address can do is address things of this nature. When athletes have everything they need to succeed, but can't seem to put it together, the profession even goes by performance enha- enhancement oftentimes. My question for anyone close enough to the program to answer, would you be able to speak on the team's sports psych practices? Do they have one, multiple? If so, are they dedicated to football? Or are they more of an entire athletic department thing? Really curious to hear any insight you guys might have on this. Appreciate you guys. Keep up the great work. Again, that's from Ryan. I can't say for sure that they have a sports psychologist on the staff. I do think they have people come and talk to them, but I don't think they have a specific sports psychologist on the team, much like Ted Lasso did in their second season, if you're a Ted Lasso fan, when they hired a sports psychologist to be part of the team for the season. I don't believe they have something like that.
2: Yeah, So this actually became kind of an arms race with college baseball and, you know, cause baseball is such a game of failure. So this became an arms race a little bit with, you know, just mental coaches, I think is what they're often called, um, you know, and dealing with the failure of, you know, striking out or whatever it may be uh, in about, about a decade ago, actually. So USC actually used Brian Kane um, and peak performance, I think was his company when Frank Cruz was on, was the head coach. Um, they went away from that with the next coach staff and whatnot. But USC Lincoln Riley actually uses I'm blanking on his name. I want to say it's like Tim Cook or something. Christy Nora, if you remember this, uh, you know a guy that comes in and speaks to them often, and it's about mental, you know mental approach, mental, um you know all that type of stuff. But it's not necessarily someone who's in-house and is constantly there for the players type of thing. Not like if you've seen the quarterback show. You know, Kirk Cousins has a sit down with their sports, I guess he's a sports psychologist, um, you know, at least once a week and talks about, you know, the ups and downs of playing and stuff. But it, it's it's an interesting thing and something that has not gained a lot of attention, at least. Now, I won't say that it hasn't gained a lot of traction. I feel like some schools have someone on staff for that, but I don't necessarily know that it's something that's constantly talked about. So it's something, yeah, that USC could potentially look into. Um, they do have, it's usually more motivational speaking than necessarily, hey, how do we deal with our failures type of thing?
1: Um and, breakdowns. It's more of a overarching.
2: Yeah. It's kind of, more speak to the kind of, entire team rather than, hey, let's have a one-on-one conversation. So uh, uh, honestly, with as much money as college football programs throw at everything, I mean, just look at, Official visits and how much money they spend on every single kid, put them in the Ritz and go into Nobu and all these different things and renting out the, whatever staple center is now called, you know, all this money that's put into it, would it be beneficial to have an extra support staff person that is a sports psychologist could be something that, that could be looked into.
1: Okay. Shotgun. Those were our email questions. We have a bunch of Twitter questions now. I've been sort of self-editing these questions because there's a lot of random ones. There's a lot of, uh, who do you want as the next defensive coordinator questions, which I don't really want to get into. I have the right answer now. to that one, Chris. Okay. I want Breaking me news. to be, I want me to be the defense coordinator. Cause I want to be paid think, at least a million dollars. I think people would actually no joke be a part of that.
2: That would not uh, be a be good a idea, of-
1: but I want the salary of the defense coordinator. So that's my answer. Uh, actually, one of these questions kind of plays into that. Andy Miranda, can I try out for a defensive position? I have four years of eligibility left. If you're the new D- DC, what do you say, Shaka? Sure.
2: We love walk on tryouts for sure.
1: I'm looking for the next play. Matthews for sure. Uh, JP, JP Trojan fan. Who are, who are USC's best DBs right now? I say, Kalen Bullock, Jalen Smith, Christian Roland Wallace.
2: I mean, that's the top three for sure um, with the way Christian Roland Wallace has played the last couple of games. games. Um, I think Damani Jackson has played fine. I mean, he's played really good the last two games prior to Colorado. He had given up one catch for 13 yards in the previous two games. He slipped on a couple of plays. I mean, that's that's the fact. It's not an excuse. You got to be better. You got to learn, you know, it's a slippery field Then don't take that deep of a um, of the backpedal step or whatever it is that when you're trying to come up, but he, he got burned a couple of times, but I think he's been really good and he's only going to continue to get better as they give him more reps. But yeah, for sure. The, the top three have been those guys that he mentioned. Jalen Smith has been the most underrated guy on the team this season. He's play he's been balling and no one has really paid attention to it. And some people were even still hating on him the first couple of games because he didn't play great last year. And remember, He's still not even 20 years old. He turns 20 in like next week or two weeks. Two weeks,
1: two weeks. Okay. Impressive. Uh, Dylan Bita says USC felt three spots in AP after a 14 point road win at ASU, but Washington only beat Zona by seven and no touchdowns for Michael Penix. If they are penalized, they, they aren't penalized at all and don't drop on the rankings. Why not the same reaction to the voters? I know this poll won't matter in the next in the few weeks from now.
2: That's true, um, and part of it is perception. Part of it is um, ability to see the game. I mean that the Washington Arizona game was on Pac-12 Network, so your mm-hmm. national media is not necessarily seeing the game and you know living it out in real time like they were the USC one going, oh no, is USC going to lose this? You know, Arizona hung with Washington, and I had the game on in the background. I wasn't paying full full attention to it, Um, but I didn't feel like Arizona really was threatening that much. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Like, I haven't got a chance to rewatch that game. I usually watch the 60-minute versions and try to get a feel for who USC is about to play, but I haven't seen it. But I think the other thing is the perception. The perception of USC's defense was that it was terrible last year. Oh, if they can get that better, then they will be a national championship contender. And when you go out and look like last year, people are going to think, oh, that's the team last year that lost to Tulane. And that's what they're going to that's part of the thing that they're going to rank it off of. Because there's other teams as well, like Georgia struggling with Auburn, you know, but they have the benefit of the doubt because it's a two time national champion. And also they're struggling on offense and you say, well, good defense will keep you in every game. USC struggling
1: on defense, and there's much more worries there when that happens. Shotgun Michael Pedroza asks, did Rajon Davis play against Colorado? I want he those did, snap counts.
2: He did indeed. He played, let's see real quick. He played in both halves. He played linebacker. He played, where is it? Here we go. We got 32 snaps of linebacker. And he was actually the guy they turned to at the end of the game. So that was interesting. You know, uh, the final drive he was in instead of Tackett Curtis. Um, and then he also, because Ray John Davis often plays a lot of special teams, played 12 special team snaps, which
1: actually probably a season low for him this year. So he played 44 total snaps. Jorge Retta asked, do you think Coach Lincoln Raleigh has not fully opened his offensive playbook thus far? Does the play calling have another gear for Notre Dame, Oregon, and Washington? He's yeah, got some. Room. I'm gonna. I, I Go was ahead. gonna say, yeah, I assume he's got some tricks and bullets he is saving for these big games down the line. I, I would absolutely believe that that to be the case.
2: Yeah, just think back to maybe Utah game last year, and suddenly Jordan Addison they're using him on jet sweep motions and they get a touchdown off that, and they use him on a jet sweep motion a second time, something they had not shown the first five games of the season, I guess it was six games of the season. Um, and then they use him on motion and play fake it to him and find Josh Follow wide open. So, so there are some things that are still out there. I mean, Jordan Addison, again, in the UCLA game, put him in the backfield and get in the matchup. It's all about what they see on tape and stuff, but Lincoln's got some stuff still in his bag for sure.
1: We had some questions. Uh, oh, we had some questions about the altitude, which we kind of talked about. Uh, but Ryan Yates talks about, "Hey, shotgun question for the Helium Boys: How much of that collapse in the bo- and in Boulder is on Lincoln Riley in the offense? Defense looked. G- I'm assuming he looks says. Uh, I'm assuming he said looked good in the first half and gas in the second half. Playing at altitude is hard. Shouldn't they have game plan to run down the clock and shorten the game up a little bit? Uh, Lincoln Riley did mention in his post game preference that he didn't call a good game when it came to the run game. So I believe maybe he was." Uh, tipping his hat a little bit that he should have uh, run the ball a little bit more and in, but no one really commented and said that the, in terms of the players that we talked to said that the altitude was part of the reason why they, uh, they uh, collapsed in the second half.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, we mentioned this with the connectivity of offense and defense Lincoln Riley did say on charges live Monday night, he was disappointed in the run game. He said, we're just a little out of sync. So they missed some blocks. And then when they did get the blocks, it felt like the running backs missed some holes. Um, and then he said that the offense could have helped the defense to be able to control the game a little bit better with the run game. So it, it, you know, he's admitting it on Monday that he should have ran the ball a little bit more. Now the problem is it's Monday, not Saturday. And, you know, you got to be able to realize that in the time and that's, part of the danger of being a head coach and an offense coordinator. Cause offense coordinator, Hey, you want to, oh, I got this great play. I've got it. Whereas the head coach, you know, if, if Jim Caldwell is the head coach or, you know, whoever it is, they're gonna be like, Hey, no, 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 we're not airing it out. Let's run the ball. We need to eat some clock up. And you know, that's just because the mentality of a head coach, when it's separated from being an offense coordinator, I feel like it's a little bit different. You know, even if you're an offensive head coach, you might say, let's focus on this going into the drive rather than looking at the play sheet and being like, all right, got to run this certain play and this certain play, this will work off of this. Um, you're more focused on the overarching, and that would be something like that um, where you say, well, let's slow the thing down, let's slow the tempo down, and let's try to eat some clock up with the run game as well.
1: Carlos Warrior says, are we still four, 5-0? and, five and oh? Is the sky falling? Trying to be positive with all the naysayers. I'm not blind, though, just looking forward. Real questions. Is it looking like Jaden DeLore will play? How do we stack up on paper to Arizona? It, it, like I mentioned with the uh, potential QB controversy, I'm not sure what the status of his ankle injury is. I would assume he's going to be questionable for this week, and I, I would assume that Jed Fish is going to keep that under wrap so USC will have to spend energy preparing for both quarterback situations. My guess is he is... Uh, going to play this weekend. But again, I don't know how severe that ankle injury is.
2: Uh, Riley did say that they were going to prepare for both quarterbacks. Um, if the ankle injury for USC's defensive hopes, they should hope that it's severe enough that it has to be majorly spatted up and he can play, but then he can't run because that's what he killed USC with last year is getting out of the pocket and taking off and picking up third downs. So uh, I think that would be a big advantage for the USC defense if that was not an element of his game uh,
1: this week against USC. Uh, We have a question from De La Cruz. What has the closest the two of you have come to being suspended like your colleague at the Oshie Register? I believe Shotgun's told a story about uh, almost getting suspended or technically you were suspended or had your credential pulled.
2: Yeah, I had my credential pulled, so I was technically off the beat at one point because of it. Um, But uh, I don't know if I've told the story on here or not, but it was because I worked for an organization that went defunct, a magazine organization, and I also worked for the SB Nation site. I wasn't going to tell USC that the magazine went defunct um, and lose my credential for covering for the SB Nation site that I was working for, and this is the common thread in my Work life is that I often have more than one job, as I still do now. Um, So, you know, unfortunately, um, uh, there was a situation where Steve Sarkeesian, I was shooting a video on the field, and he cursed in the background of it. um, And the SID did not appreciate that I posted the video, even though I thought it was humorous. It was emotional and the ending of a win, a dramatic win against a ranked Arizona team um, at Arizona. Kicker missed a field goal at the end after Claude Pallone had blocked a field goal earlier in the game and USC escaped with a win, uh, an upset win actually in that one. And the video went up, has like 600 views. And when I went to practice the Tuesday uh, for regular practice, immediately the SID was in my face and said, how could you do this? This was unfair to this person, to Steve Sarkeesian. I said, I just thought it was humorous that he was so excited about the game. They did not see it the same way. And, they then found out that I was, which sites that I was writing for and pulled my credential, which was understandable. You know, they were correct in doing it. And, but partly because of that, I then got picked up two weeks later by a different organization. And then maybe a month after that, Ryan picked me up. So it ended up working out for me. So I will not complain about the fact. And I will not say that they did anything wrong because I probably would have done the same thing if I was in the SID shoes.
1: I'm trying to, there's so many questions to choose from. Uh, there's a bunch here basically are all asking um, who do you want to be the next defensive coordinator um, and just about Alice Grinch, but I'm just going to boil it down to a simple question from Jojo Reyes. Do you think Grinch is the long-term answer for USC to be dominant top contender every year?
2: Former, right now, ma- former major league pitcher, Jojo Reyes, actually. He was a big uh, USC fan. Formerly really pitched for the Braves and the Cardinals. I, I mean, uh, Braves and the Angels as well. A couple other teams, maybe. So uh, shout out to JoJo for for sending in a question. Um, but Chris, go ahead. What, what were your thoughts on it?
1: I was going to say, obviously, I never like, you know, essentially saying I don't think – I don't like saying essentially that someone should lose their job. I never want to say that. But based on the question that is asked, I don't think that – Alex Grinch is the answer for them in this defense to make them the top contender or put them back in contention every year for what they USC fans want national championship. That's what they want to get. Obviously I don't that believe that to be the case, but I will say I do like Alex Grinch. I think he's very smart. He's actually very funny. Um, he's very personable in scrums and we're talking to the media, but again, I, it's it just not clicking right now. And obviously I could be wrong in the next several games, but obviously we've seen a lot. We have a lot of data points that that points to this defense, you know, just not getting it done on the field and it's going, it burned them last year. And at some point it's going to burn them this year. I feel, I feel like. Yeah. I felt the defense would be much better this
2: year with the depth that they've added with the talent that they've added. Um, and I think they are better, but we're still seeing signs of things from last year. So can you take that next step? And, you know, I don't think they're going to make a move right now, so I'm riding with it right now, and we'll see what happens. Are there other defense coordinators in the in the country that I would have more confidence in? I would say yes to that. How about that? I'll leave it there. Um, whether they should fire somebody or not, that's not up to me. They're not going to listen to me anyways if I do say so, so I'm not going to call for someone and their family to have to uproot and go somewhere else. But I'm
1: sure you fans okay. will, so go for it. H Bucket says, should USC ever punch when they're on the 45 yard line or an opponent's territory or anything on anything shorter than a fourth and eight during the Colorado game? I think we punted on a fourth and five, and I generally wondered what the point of that was. Our defense gives up 80 yard drives, 40 yard drives. Does it really matter? I mean, it's
2: an interesting philosophy if you want to never punt, um, you know, never yeah, that, punt that, that at a certain
1: a- point. That was I mean, a coach is philosophy. A high school coach and they got the college job, never punting. ended up getting fired. So <laughs> so
2: yeah, they were actually on the yeah, they were on the 43 when they punted. Now at that time, they were up by two scores. So do you want to give Colorado a short field? Um, or actually, no, they were at the they're at their own 43. So if you're not if you haven't made it to opponent's territory, then I don't that makes it that much tougher for me if you're given. Colorado a forty three yard field to potentially go if you do not make it on the fourth and da- on the fourth down. So I probably still would have punted there, and it was a fifty seven yard punt by Edzeplicki, which went into the end zone for a touchback because USC is not very good at covering punts, unfortunately.
1: And what happened on that drive?
2: The drive went. Um, that was the drive actually that USC got off the field. So they punted the ball. They ended up getting the fourth and five. Um, And now Colorado drove it, what is that, 30, 35 yards or so. So if you gave them the ball on the 43, you know, they're at least getting a field goal. Instead, you got a sack on fourth down and we're able to get off the field.
1: So in that case, it worked out correctly for USC. I'm only going to do two more questions if that's okay with you. I don't know. We got a lot, Chris. I know, but basically they're all the same. Uh, Roger K is asking: We lose outside containment when the edge rushers are straying to the QB. Why don't we set? Why don't we make setting the edge their primary responsibility on um, plays where they are all out rushing? Make sure the linebacker seals the edge. Seals the edge. USC's had containment issues since 1909. It just feels like they always able to contain the edge and i can't really uh, explain to you why that is i honestly haven't thought that they've had
2: big issues with containing the edge this season except in two situations now maybe you look at that and you go well that's two big situations but one of them is misdirection so a reverse like it feels like any misdirection play that a team is running feels like it's going to work against usc Because USC is so aggressive, particularly their linebackers, and this is, again, that heat-seeking missile comment I mentioned earlier. You're flying to the ball and not reading your keys, and therefore reverse comes around the other side, and you got three blockers against the one cornerback that's waiting back or one edge defender, and you just can't do anything against three blockers. The other one is um, in quarterback scrambles. And that's, you know, quarterback getting outside the pocket and the containment there. And I think they've done a better job of that. San Jose State, they got torched on that, getting too far upfield. And then there being big gaps to run through. Um, but as far as just in general, the run game, like, it's not like people are getting outside and running consistently. Uh, they have had some trouble with those quick pitches. That's something that, you know, a couple teams have used. And that's more of, You know, I feel like the defensive end is reading on those instead of getting upfield. So I feel like if they are attacking upfield, they can create some havoc there, Um, but they're, you know, they're usually the guy that the quarterback is reading and, you know, they've had some struggles with that. But I don't think it's been as big of an issue as it has been in the past. You know, there were some couple years ago, it was just like every single run to the outside. You're like, well, that's going to gain a bunch of yards.
1: Uh, We had some questions about Tacky Curtis. You already kind of tackled Tackett Curtis you see what I did there because he's a linebacker we had some questions uh about maybe changing up the scheme but I actually have a take it or leave it based on this so I kind of want to save it for that we do have some questions about Dante Williams when people are are coming to criticize him is the secondary failure more on Grinch or Dante Williams isn't Williams the defensive passing game coordinator Yes, and that's a a title, but um,
2: how much is he directing the defenses? I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, I I think that the DBs have been in position, the cornerbacks in particular for Dante Williams. I don't feel like they're getting beat a ton. They're right there. They're not making enough plays, and that's something that needs to be fixed, yes, but I'm not as down on – I know how difficult it is to play cornerback And it feels like it doesn't matter unless you were intercepting every other pass. Most people think that you're a terrible cornerback in college. Just look back. Look at Stanford last year. Makai Blackman had an interception, but he had two PIs, and people were like, you got to bench this guy. He's getting PIs every time. It's like those are kind of bullshit calls to begin with. Um, But he's their best DB. He's their best cornerback all season. But people are calling for his head. And you see that with this season, Damani Jackson, then Sierra Wright, and then you know, Jacoby Covington, I'm sure, is getting it from giving up the one long pass play. They're right there. They got to make more plays. That's that's what it is. I think the technique is fine. And then you, you got to tackle on the outside. When you miss a, a tackle on the outside, it ends up being a big gain. And they know that. So, you know, get better cleats, get better footing, whatever it takes, make the tackle.
1: I'm ending on a fun note. Uh, this was our IG question. What are y'all's top five fast food joints? I'll let you go first because you're the you're more of the foodie than I am. Well, I gotta, write, I gotta write my down over here. Am I am I counting like a place like Wawa? Does that count, Chris? You can do whatever you want.
2: You I can do whatever, whatever I
1: want. I can do whatever I want. We're not going to get into the I debate mean, of like, oh, is it fast casual or? Uh, I don't really. I'm not doing this in any sort of uh, order. So I'm going to I'm just going to put uh, Waterburger, Sonic, Wawa, because, you know, uh, Helium Daddy loves a good sub. Um, I would say Chick-fil-A and then Wendy's. I think that's my list. I think that's my list. Um, I'm,
2: because I'm a night owl, I eat a lot of Taco Bell, so I will have it on there. And I know that may freak some people out or anger some people. I don't care. I like it. Don't mind. It's my body. I'll do what I want. It's my hat, bad. I do what I want. As Cartman would say, um, I'm Ocho the Ocho Mexican Grill that is basically a competitor to Chipotle that we had one in Redondo right near Hermosa, right near the studio that now is shut down. R.I.P. He's still not over
1: it. He's still Still not not over over it. it. No.
2: Um. So that one's definitely up there. Um. Is it Cava or Sava? I don't. The Mediterranean Chipotle is Cava. Love it. Love it. I could eat it multiple times if there was one around me. Multiple times a week. And then I think my favorite burger place, like, I got what a burger up there as well, because, but I don't eat burgers there. They have a chicken strip sandwich that's fantastic. Um, but my favorite burger place, I think, is Five Guys mm. Cajun Fries. I have, I'm in.
1: I'm kind of regretting not having Five Guys on my list. That might be my my off the bench. Sorry. Right. Bench, bench one. You no, know, I,
2: I, I, I do eat. Oh, I didn't even think about Zaxby's. See?
1: Look at that. I'm helping you yes. out. How Zax- do you not? Zaxby's is
2: definitely in there. We'll take off Ocho <laughs> and put Zaxby's in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so Ocho, Ocho is- doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. The Ocho doesn't exist in Hermosa anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. I helped you see the oversight there. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, every, every time Shaka- I go
2: home to Georgia,
1: I have to go to Zaxby's.
2: Every time. Or Provo. You- the, closest- the closest one <laughs> to California. When we went to BYU – um I was just looking randomly through Yelp for something to eat uh when we went to BYU and we we're there um to cover high school game first and see Kingsley Suamataia at uh Orem is that right Orem High School Orem yes Orem High School and so after the game I'm like all right what's closed what can I get and there was a Zaxby's and I was like oh my god this is amazing because I did not know it was there it's the furthest west Uh, one is uh, the furthest West in the United States. So I was all about it. So I went that night and I think we went the next day or next night as well.
1: Yeah. That was my first time having Zaxby's uh, in Utah of all places. And it was (laughs) fire. It was fire. I, I can't, I haven't had enough to like put it on my list. Obviously I need more time to have some, but next one on my list that I want to try is Culver's, which is obviously in Utah, but we never got to go. I don't know if you've had Culver's before.
2: I've not had it, though. There's there's several um, in, in Georgia as well, but I have not had it.
1: Shotgun, are you ready for some take it or leave it? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. Take it or leave it. Arizona is officially in trap game
2: territory. Take it. Especially coming off of the game you just had. You're thinking, oh, you got to clean this up. We got to clean this up. Got to clean this up. Oh, Notre Dame about to come. Then Utah. If we don't get it cleaned up now. I think there's definitely trap trap game vibes there.
1: Take it or leave it. USC should play a third linebacker, and this is kind of some questions we got about: should they play a four three? Should they take that uh, extra defensive back off and go to a linebacker? Shotgun watches a lot of tape. What do you what say you, Shotty? I, I think there's certain teams and formations you can do that against. And maybe
2: you want to do that against teams that are running. I mean, you're not getting 12 personnel, 21 personnel very often, which is one tight end and two running backs or two, two running backs and one tight end. And all right, let's say that backwards, two tight ends and one running back. You're not getting a lot of that. So if you're facing three wide receivers and four wide receivers, and sometimes five guys split out, it doesn't make sense to have an extra linebacker on there. Like no offense to those linebackers. I would much rather have Jalen Smith covering than Eric Gentry or John Davis or Shane Lee or Tacky Curtis or Mason cop. Doesn't matter. Any of them. I would much rather have Jalen Smith out there as the guy that's covering those guys. Um, so if teams were running multiple tight ends, sure. And I would love to see some packages, but usually what they do when teams go to heavier packages, they bring in an extra defense alignment actually. So they have three down linemen, and then they have the rush in and the defensive end as well. So you see Braylon Shelby actually come in as an extra guy um, on the edge, and someone shifts down inside. You have to see that a lot of times. So, it, so it's different ways you can go about it. USC last year used more of a kind of a new look four three, is what I called it, where you know they did have it wasn't a traditional straight up three linebackers kind of set out like you would see on Madden. But they did have three linebackers in the game, kind of you know a little bit of an overlook into it um, and then getting into some techn- technical stuff more there. But they did do a little bit of that last year. So it's something they could do and something that's in the playbook, obviously. But this season it's been, you know, they've used a dime defense where they've used Christian Rolla-Wallace as a faux linebacker. So you're basically just adding extra DB for a linebacker. And then they've used a base defense, which is basically a five-two-four. So you take off Jalen Smith and you add an extra down lineman. So that's what they've done so far this season. That's the only packages they've really done as far as sub packages outside of in third and long situations. They've used a three two six dime, which is taking the defense lineman off and adding an extra DB in there. So so far, it's not something they've used, but they did show it last year. So it is in the arsenal if they want to put an extra linebacker on there. The problem is, I don't know if they can figure out who they want to play. Every week, the rotation is different, and it doesn't make much sense to me because it's not following the production each game. And so, you know, we talked about it earlier, so I'm not going to get into it. But th- that's I, until they figure that part out, I think that's the the part where that I don't know that how much you can change up different things with different formations and stuff if you can't figure out who you want to actually get on the field.
1: Bamboozled. Bamboozled. Bam-boozled. Uh, take it or leave it. TMAC goes for at least 125 yards against USC. I'm sure you have some stats back there of what um, other wide
2: receivers have done. I know Doreen Singer went big against USC last year. I'm going to leave it mm. because he got banged up a little bit at the end of the game. And I think USC is going to be keyed in on him. Doesn't mean they'll stop him, but I think they'll be keyed in on him. He's the guy I think that... Is the big playmaker for him. So I would
1: be keen on him. Shotgun, USC's last two games in the fourth quarter have been, or at least the second half, have been one score games. Will USC and Arizona be a one score game at any point in uh, this weekend in the fourth quarter? The fourth quarter, or just the second half? The fourth quarter. Take it or leave it. That's a tough one chris you're
2: good at this you're good at this i'll give you credit i'm gonna leave it
1: leave it he says i assume you're going with the the home the, the coliseum advantage
2: yeah i think that i think they'll bounce back at home i think that'll be a big part of it and hopefully you see some improvement about keeping your foot on the pedal usc is not finished really well they haven't they have the killer instinct. That should have been on my stock down, actually, Chris. Killer instinct is stock down. Back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. You know, put your, yeah, they talk about it. Putting your foot on the opponent's throat. Like, okay. They're like, instead of putting their foot on the opponent's throat, they're like, they got a flip-flop, and they're like, oh, I'm hovering it above your throat. I know you're laying on the ground. You're down a little bit. I'm just going to hover this over. Oh, I might get you. I might get you. Instead of being like, I'm going to bust your trachea right now. I'm going to stomp your trachea out. And break your larynx.
1: It's it's like the uh, the bad guy in a movie who's like got the gun on you and threatening to kill you, but never actually does it. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like talking about how badly <laughs> they're going to end you and they just don't do it.
2: I'm going to have Caleb Williams Wait. throw another touchdown pass. Marshawn Lloyd's going to have a nasty. Ru- Wait. Hey, hey. you uh, Did you, hey, just, stop. you guys just scored the- again? Wait, stop it.
1: I'm talking. It. I'm telling you what That's we're going to do. This gun is loaded. (laughs) This gun is loaded. Uh, That is all my take it or leave it. So it's time for the overtime portion. Shotgun, you played some pickup basketball today. That's why we went a little bit later. I said, Shadi needs his exercise. So I got some take it or leave it for the court rules of pickup basketball. All right. I'm going to do some take it or leave it. uh, And I'm going to get your thoughts on some of these uh, classic Basketball, hooping, pickup game rules. So let's let's get your opinion on those. Uh, Take it or leave it. Always, and I mean always, win by two. No, it
2: depends. Like, no, because I've been in some games that are marathons. I'm leaving that. Like, I, I used to play when I played in Georgia was with some buddies. Like the the wait list is an hour to hour two hours long. Like you're not winning by two. You get to the point, you're done. That's it. Don't let them hit that too. Right? You're up on by
1: one. Don't no twos. No twos, baby. That's uh controversial. I, I see. i we're gonna get some hate on that, I feel like. Uh <laughs> take it or leave it. You're no calling fouls unless you are really fouled. Unless they take your head off.
2: Uh, yeah, take it. I mean, usually the respectable games you play in that's the thing is like, is it a respectable game? Or are you playing with the court on the line? If the court on the line, you call your foul, call it. (laughs) And then if you had this, two of my buddies back home are brothers and we play together all the time. And they will argue with anyone. I'm the, I'm like, I'm not getting in it. I'm like, and so there's been so many times. It's like, shoot for it. Then shoot for it. Like five minutes arguing, shoot for it. Can we just skip the five minutes argument and just get to the shoot for for portion? Uh, but in a respectable game, hey, we're just out here getting our exercise, like I'm playing in right now. Like, you know, there's only 10 or 11, 12 guys playing total.
1: Usually you're calling your foul when you foul somebody.
2: The defense could segue. That's a good, segue.
1: That's a good uh, <clears throat> segue into the next one. Uh, take it or leave it, all disputes settled by shoot for it. Shoot <laughs> <laughs> for it. I
2: guess take it because the other yeah. option is is like some guys are like, no, no, we ain't shooting for it.
1: And I called a foul. That's it. It's like, what?
2: where has decorum gone?
1: <laughs> there's no decorum on the pickup courts. Uh, take there,
2: it or leave it. There's no decorum when you know, like, if you lose, you're leaving because we're not waiting
1: two hours to play again. Right. We're going to a different gym. Look. There must be a peaceful transition of power when one team loses. There must be a peaceful transition of power, which always never seems to be the case in most cases or a lot of cases for picking my ball and going. Yeah. Uh, Take it or leave it. Uh, No timeouts, no charges. Uh, no timeouts
2: for sure. I don't know why there would ever be a timeout in a pickup game. <laughs> there are, again, there are charges when like, if you run over somebody and you say oh, that you can have the ball that happened tonight, night, actually, someone got a full shoulder to the jaw may have chipped a tooth. Um, oh God, <laughs> the offensive player was like,
1: yeah, I guess you guys can have the ball. The <laughs> tooth shotgun. I think so. I don't know. How many games did you play? What kind of points did you put up?
2: Uh, I think we played, it was two hours of playing. I think we played, I, don't know, I played maybe six games. They're fairly short games. It was only to like nine or 11. Not one um, by two. Not one by two. I don't even think that came up except for maybe one game and someone hit it too, so it didn't matter. Um, I did fine tonight. I actually, I'm way out of shape, but you know, I think I was one for three on threes. Showed off the the baby hook a little bit. Dominated oh, yeah. er, early in games. I can dominate down in the post before I run out of uh, like my my level of energy declines really quickly. So I'm like, all right, limit the first two possessions. Like I need to, throw me the ball on the block. I can go to work. Then after that, I'm like, all right, I'm just staying on the perimeter. I ain't got any more juice left until the next game. I get that break in just and like, I can get get a little juice back.
1: He's just like me. He just I like save I
2: save my energy for the defensive end, Chris. There
1: you go. I'm trying to win. There you go. There you go, big scrappy, big scrappy. Uh, my last one, take it or leave it. Rickshaws. <laughs> take it or leave it. Rickshaws. I don't know. I got to hear the story first. Now I should I should clarify. It's a modern rickshaw. You know, it's not a guy straight pulling it. He's on a bike, and it's like is this, to a a, thing. is this a Honda? Helpful person? Because those I see those often at the USC games. What is a Honda helpful person?
2: <laughs> Where the Honda help, the commercials, Honda helpful person, people or whatever. And they, we came around to help you today. And they take you from campus to the Coliseum or something. Like, Hey, you they guys need a, a ride today. They're just Honda but does like lights? things like nice things to help out. Sometimes like, so if it's
1: you, a Honda attached if, to a, a wagon. No, it's a, the same
2: thing. Bicycle. You get in the car, you get in the cart, I guess. Honda also does free car washes. If you have a Honda for a lot of home games carriage.
1: Yeah. I I would assume I I don't feel like I've seen them, but you've seen them. You've probably seen them at like NFL games or around stadiums and festivals and stuff. So that's what it was, but it's like a modern day rickshaw obviously. So yeah, we were trying to make our flight for five ten, and Ryan kind of, uh, we got screwed up by the time change because you know it's 9 a.m kickoff but that's pacific time it's 10 a.m mountain time local time so uh-huh. we thought we would have an extra hour for our flight so we of course lose an hour of course ryan did uh, book me on a saturday for asu of course ryan did <laughs> and so we lose an hour so it's gonna be tight the game probably wrapped it like i want to say i mean time time Moves different after a game when you have interviews and all that stuff going on. I feel like it wrapped around one thirty, one forty. We probably got out of interviews or like two twenty, and if we got to the car by three, I felt good about our chances because we had to go like fifty minutes to Denver yeah. and drop the car off. And if you ever been to Denver, you drop the car off way far the f out there at the car rental place, and you got to take a shuttle. And you got to go through the security and the terminals. It's a very long process, so I felt if we could get out by three, I feel we had a good chance. So we sprint out of there. Six minute instant analysis. We get we we're, we're trying to get to the car. It's about a mile and a half from where we parked. We have to do off uh, overload parking, overflow parking, excuse me. And there's a sh- supposed to be a shuttle, but there's so much traffic, and we don't even know if the shuttle is going to show up because it's been like. I no offense to like Colorado like SID work or whatever they don't have the infrastructure to handle all this, this media attention for Prime and, and that uh, stadium so no offense to them but it's it's been like a shit show with like the parking and all that so it was going to take I felt like a long time and we didn't even know if the shuttle was going to show up or when it was going to show up or if it, if it could even reach us within like 15 minutes probably not so Ryan was like you know why don't we take one of these like bike guys why don't, why don't they we do that and so we were like okay so and this guy i don't know what his name is i'm gonna call him dale just because i don't know he gave me dale energy but this guy was a wizard on the bike and look it, it was a little bit uh i'm not gonna say scary but dicey. He was going down some hills well it was a little dicey and there were some bumps where it felt like if i wasn't like i wasn't locked in to this i could have falling out of that, that, that side or the side, because there's no like doors, it's all like open. And like, if you weren't holding on to your stuff, something could have popped out onto the street. But this guy was maneuvering through the street to the sidewalk, going around people and the traffic. And it was like, he never like had to really stop. He would just use the momentum of the bike to get wherever he wanted to go. And he got us there within like 15, probably like less than 10 minutes of where we we're trying to go and it was super impressive and it probably saved our trip to be honest because like if we would have waited for the shuttle honestly it would have probably taken us at least 30 minutes and i would assume it's going to be like 45 to an hour and we would have absolutely missed the flight so dale shout out to him it's not his real name <laughs> but he got us where we needed to go in impeccable time considering all that traffic and he was uh he was funny and he was uh no it was just like he's been doing it nine years i was like you were a wizard on this bike he was like i I hope so i've been doing this for nine years so (laughs) shout out to him and i would definitely be using one of those again because it was it was kind of fun it's like it's like uh it's like doing a motorcycle for cowards (laughs) what a tagline yeah it's yeah it's like doing uh being on a motorcycle for cowards or it just like being in a uh, you know like a sidecar but obviously it's in the back so it doesn't really like uh make a difference or like when you see a like uh you know what it is you know what it is shotgun uh it's like when you see Tell those me, Chris. parents doing riding a bike and they have that little cart in the back where yeah. like, their kids are that's exactly what it is it's since i was backwards i assume that every one of those parents
2: is going to Fall over and spill out the kid. Oh, absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely. I was the kid, and I did feel like I was going to fall over. <laughs> uh,
2: after that story, how can I not take Rickshaw's Shaw's Chris? Um, but I, I do have to say, I'm pretty sure his name was not Dale. It's Rickshaw
1: Ronnie. Come on, Shaw Ronnie. Rickshaw Ronnie. Oh that God. sounds Ronnie. Stop. <laughs> uh, shout out Jersey Shore, where shotgun sort of kind of lives near. Um, Apparently, whatever, that's the northern I... part of the state, and I live in the southern part. I don't really know. Wait. Before we go, have you ever done one of those?
2: I've done a rickshaw where you are the driver. I've done... Isn't yeah, where you your just pedal. Run? You pedal car. Pedal car rickshaw. Oh, like the bar? Uh, not one of those. No. This is like okay. a two-person. You drive it around. Touristies. Bots oh, or something. Tandem bike. Not a tandem bike. You're in inside or whatever. Anyway. Um, also... I've done the golf carts done any mode of transportation. I've tried, except for the like Brandon Peely giant wheel um, bike that he had. Like there's I'm like talking. a mini motorcycle. Yeah. Um, so besides that, I don't think I, I've done pretty much everything else. I feel like, um, but do you take rickshaws over carriages and does it depend on if
1: it's a Hallmark movie? Ooh, it's a, through ooh, central park. I mean,
3: yeah, I mean, no
1: you spend more. Mark. You spend more money. You spend more money on the the ring than the actual carriage, and you s- get to save a uh, save a little hassle with the smell of the horse taking big <laughs> old big a big old dumps uh, during the <laughs> trip. Also, I saw some of uh uh Ralphie's uh, excrement on the USC sideline. I, I almost stepped in it. I was like, "What is this?" Oh, that's. That's uh that's Ruffy's shit. So yeah. Honestly, they should
2: if if I had a live mascot, I would let them roam on the sideline when it they were given signs that they needed to use restroom. There you go. Opposing oh, sideline. It's all,
1: hey. it's all about the little the mental game. Home field advantage. I don't know why a Traveler doesn't do it. Home field advantage. I've seen it. Just on the home side. I mean not on the wayside. side. I've that's seen it should be shit. That's where it should be. Uh, Shaka, before we get out of there, give me a score prediction so we can wrap this baby of a podcast. I
2: mean, the offense keeps rolling, even though Arizona's done well. Maybe they hold them to 42 instead of 50. Um, but even then, I mean, USC's offense has scored 40-plus points in six straight games, first time since 2003 for USC. So I'm going to say they continue it. I don't think the Arizona defense is special. But they've been pretty good so far, so give them credit for what they did against Washington. But that's Washington. That's not USC. That's not the Trojans. That's not Caleb Williams. That's Michael Penix. That's not Caleb. Give me 45 to 28. I mean, I don't know how I can have confidence in the defense. Maybe it's probably more. 45-31.
1: I feel like we're dangerously close because I
2: 24. I don't know. 24 to 31, somewhere in there.
1: I don't know. I I had 45 28 earlier and then I changed it to 45-35. I feel like this is gonna be another weird game. So I'm just gonna go 45-35 and see what happens.
2: I have to decide whether I think they'll cover the spread, and that'll be whether it's 31 or 24. Do you pick the spread for Colorado.
1: I picked USC to cover. And did not win that Oops, i'm back in the game i snapped the losing streak baby i'm back i have no clue I'm where i'm at I, I just make my picks and then move on with life there you go that's how it should be done that's how it should be done uh shotgun with score predictions now in the books that means this podcast is in the books uh it's kind of late kind of long kind of a little unhinged you're the future i'm still in monday you're living a, uh you're one step ahead of all of us so i appreciate you stepping back into time and doing this podcast with me on monday uh, I miss your face, but I will not see you until Notre Dame. Not Notre doubt. Dame. When I get to go, looking my forward to some deep to dish. Chicago. Looking forward to some deep dish. Uh, put that as the name of my autobiography. Uh, I am Chris Trevino. That is Shotgun Spratling. We will be checking out uh, the USC Trojans when they host Arizona, trying to go to six and zero. See if Caleb can get that second Heisman. Make those Heisman kiss. And uh, outside of that, Shotgun, I got nothing, so let's get out of here. Make sure you guys, thank you guys
2: for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe. Leave us a review. Leave us a review for the Healing Boys podcast. We don't get many of those. Um, you know, everybody Ooh. talks about the two star composite podcast, the peristyle pod. We need some reviews about the Helium boys. So get us involved there. Uh, one last shout out to Traquan Fagans making his USC debut, his collegiate debut, actually, for one snap in there. So uh, good to see him. When he was MIA for a little while, it seemed like we didn't remember that he was on the team, and suddenly he was in there because Christian Pierce was not available. So shout out to him. Make sure you like, subscribe. We appreciate you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you guys so much for. Giving us love when you see us uh, before the games. Chris had a great time at the the pregame, uh, the meetup that we had. I was disappointed I didn't get to go there. The bar looked like it was fun. Trick uh, College bar sounded like it was fun. Uh, but I'll be at the next one. When we go to Notre Dame, maybe we can get one there. We'll see. If not, then we'll get one the next
1: time we go on the road. Eugene, for show. One in Chicago is in the books. I definitely Ooh. did not use the women's bathroom at the Dark Horse. <laughs> But again, I'm Chris. That Shotgun. Thank you for listening to Helium Boys, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. We will see you next time.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.